Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. What I love about Shopify is basically how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. I know we use Shopify here at Betches. And honestly, anyone with any kind of business could really benefit from Shopify. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash betches, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash betches now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash betches. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey. Can I have it like that? You got like that. Can I have it like that? You got like that. Can I have it like that? Can I have it like that? You got like that. Can I have it like that? You got like that. Can I have it like that? You got like that. Can I have it like that? I'm a hustler, baby. Hey, you guys. Uh, That was way too energetic already. This is so bad it's good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. That song choice is very specific. 
It uses the word hustler multiple times, and that is because today is a supersized episode where we are going to take you through the entire Hulu documentary that just got released yesterday, The Housewife and the Hustler, the Erica Jane Tom Girardi story. Now, I think this is fascinating. I think it really is. I've talked about it multiple times in multiple different episodes. We have a lot of information to dive into, and we've got great guests today. And this goes, you know, this goes into other things. Of course, Jen Shaw will get brought up. Of course, other housewives things will get brought up. But I think this is really encapsulates everything. So my two guests today... Uh, first is uh, Megan Rooney. She is a lawyer, one of my really, really good friends. She's been on this podcast before. And, uh, you know, it's so funny. She was one of my pod people in terms of the pandemic. And I got her to start watching Housewives and things like that. So I have literally polluted her brain. And now she actually has a real job as a lawyer. So she's able to use that legalese and kind of give us a lot of perspective that I think we really need in this uh, and plus, we have somebody that was a talking head on The Housewife and the Hustler. You guys might know her from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Um, her name, Dana Wilkie. You guys know Dana. Um, she was so great to come on, and she, I, I've been on her podcast before. And it's fascinating. Like, this is a great interview. And it's interesting because she has a different perspective. And uh, her podcast, of course, is called Dishing Drama with Dana Wilkie. And you can get free episodes on uh, Apple and Spotify and all that stuff. But the, I guess the real magic is in her Patreon, which I think I even have to join because she backs up all of her gossip with like, you know, court papers, documents and things like that. And I kind of really am interested in her rebrand is because she does have this perspective of being on this show. But um, I think she has turned herself into a lot more than that. And, uh, you know, she kind of loves all the same stuff we do. Um, so I thought she was a, a fascinating guest and especially because she was on The Housewife and the Hustler. So what we have is a supersized Housewife and the Hustler. So bad it's good. Collaboration. Um uh, I say this multiple times in this episode. Uh, I'll make all the jokes that I possibly can, but remember, there are real victims involved in this case. Uh, I think that should never be far from any of our minds. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm fascinated to see where this will go. Um, but uh, also, guys, on Wednesday's episode, I did an amazing interview already today. And I'm going to talk, of course, about Chrissy Teigen. She wrote a letter apologizing for her bullying. I'll go over that on Wednesday's episode. And, yeah, J-Lo and Ben Affleck, they smooched at a restaurant and the paparazzi somehow caught it. I'll talk more about that because I believe that is a very fake photo in the sense that it was set up. And I believe that even uh, if you go to my Instagram, you can see I believe Jennifer Lopez was giving a visual cue to the paparazzi to start filming or taking the photos and stuff, but I, I find it all just so fascinating. And in fact, Dana Wilkie, in that interview, we go into uh, J-Lo and Ben at the end, We go, but her perspective, you guys, and she knows how these things are put together. So we go into this past week's Real Housewives of Beverly Hills as well. I, I really dug it. Um, uh, but just know, she does promote her Patreon, but just know she also gives us a lot of dirt. So I think it is so well worthwhile. Um, and also, I want to you guys to be aware. I am aware, and Dana's aware as well. I know she has had legal proceedings herself or has been involved in that. And 
like any smart businessman would be would do, she will talk all about that on her Patreon. So, uh, and also that wasn't what I wanted to talk about, regardless. So, are you guys good? Are you? Go- we started the week strong. We started the week strong. Oh, and also I did get a couple of emails. I I, I do want to point this out. I'm not um, unfeeling or, or um, yesterday's episode with Sophie Ross. She had brought up, I believe, uh, Irina Shake uh, possibly. Uh, or just the the concept of a fake relationship uh, for Kanye and Irina, and now fake relationships. Uh, like I think I, I think it is a fascinating conversation. And J Lo and Ben, even though I do think they are quote unquote knocking the boots, having sex, uh, I do believe there is a fake component to their relationship, and that they want us to see that. Now um, I think that it is potentially harmful language to say beards. In this day and age, so uh, I do extend an apology for myself and Sophie in that regard. But I do want to also say it might not be a beard, but I do believe in fake Hollywood relationships. I don't necessarily think that makes somebody a homosexual. I don't, but I do think, like as we see with J Lo and Ben Affleck, is that I think there is a message being sent not only to Alex Rodriguez but to uh, the general public at large of look at us two celebrities. Two stars still being stars. Look at us, which is kind of even what this Erica Jane is all about regardless. So but I did want to apologize for that language. I'm uh, I am a great believer. Um, uh, well, I, anyways, I, I just wanted to uh, to mention that uh, sometimes when you're having these conversations, you do go so quick and things like that. But I do want to say that I do believe that a lot of relationships in Hollywood can have aspects that are fake. Um, And those are rumors, and especially this is a celebrity gossip podcast in some ways. I will sometimes talk about that or theories because, I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I heard rumors about that. I mean, come on. Do you guys remember hearing the, um, the, the, the urban legend about Richard Gere and the gerbil or David Bowie and the sperm? And, you know, like there was all of these urban legends. And, uh, but I also want to say, I'll let you know when I have proof. And and I think in today's podcast, there is a lot of proof. There's a lot of documentation. Uh, but I just wanted to mention that before we get into this. So are you guys, are you guys ready to, to buckle, just buckle in. Let me take you on a ride. This is a very long episode. You can use the timestamps to skip from interview to interview if you'd like. But I think if you are fans of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, if you are a fan of court cases, if you are a fan of tragedies, which I, that's, I don't know why you would be, but this is a car crash, and I want to take you through it. So uh, this is the recap of The Housewife and the Hustler, the new show you can find on Hulu about Erica Jane and Tom Girardi, and that will immediately be followed by my interview with Dana Wilkie from the Dishing Drama with Dana Wilkie podcast. Remember, you can find that on Patreon, uh, as well as Apple Podcasts and Spotify and all those podcasting outlets but this is a big one you guys i'm very excited i will talk to you on uh ladies and gentlemen welcome to your tuesday show uh if you are like me 
you have bathed in uh, the housewife and the hustler, which is the Erica Jane, Tom Girardi saga. I have now, I, I have it on just in the background right now, just like over, just, just wanted to like bathe in it. I've, I've now seen it or just had it on like three times. I started at midnight last night, like it was uh, like a Twilight movie or something, but we have to dissect this. And I want to say at the beginning, because they're, you know, I'll probably make some really horrible jokes as I do, but I want to just remind everybody that at the heart, this is about the victims, uh, not this podcast, but what is at stake is all based on these victims. I do not have any pity or empathy right now for Tom Girardi or Erica Jane, but I think a lot of... a big spotlight needs to be placed on these victims that actually went through tragic events. So I want everybody to keep that in mind as we go through uh, this ABC news documentary on Hulu. So the perfect person to join us for this is uh, my really good friend, Megan, who actually joined us. You, you know, Megan, if you're a fan of the pod, she was on uh, the late December episode when it came out, all those text messages from Trisha Bigelow or Erica Jane said Tom was cheating on her with Justice Trisha Bigelow. And she did an emergency episode with me that Saturday uh, because she is a lawyer by trade. We will, uh, she works for Girardi Crease. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> she is, we're not going to say who she works for, but she is a, uh, a lawyer that knows her stuff. She has uh, passed the bar in Chicago and now California, unlike Kim Kardashian. So welcome back to the show, uh, Megan Rooney. Megan, how are you? Fine, thank you. Thanks for the introduction. Of course. Um, so Housewife and the Hustler is a 69-minute documentary um, released on Hulu. What do you, what are your overall, I mean, did you like it? I did. I thought, you know, 69 minutes was about what my attention span was for the content, particularly because as us Bravo fans know, a lot of this information has already been in the public on our Instagram feeds. So there wasn't a ton of new information. It was just packaged differently with some different talking heads. I think we found out a couple of things, um, but really I think what it did most importantly was shine a light on the victims and the people you know whose lives are at stake with, with this situation. So I think from that perspective, it was you know, not, not always super entertaining, but important. I thought it was extremely well-produced. And for me, I found it very entertaining. I I was really enraptured by the whole thing. And I thought there was so much great footage. I I kind of just ate everything up and the, you know, we'll get to it, but even the footage or the voicemails of Tom Girardi and the the footage of his uh, deposition uh, over Zoom uh, when he let us know he had $80 million uh, at one point, 50 million in cash. These things to me, I, I really, that's why I, I, I think I'm just going to keep watching it, but I got to say it is very, it is a mix of hysterical, horrifying and tragic and amazing to start off any documentary with click clacks of footsteps. And as it gets closer, you realize you're seeing the spackled face of Danielle Staub from Real Housewives of New Jersey fame, which I was like, holy shit, they're starting with Danielle. Now, you don't, I don't think you watched Real Housewives of New Jersey in the Danielle years, did you? No, I just started watching Housewives in the past year and a half uh, with you. So no, I did not know anything about her other than, you know, 
the book and the lore and, you know, what I've heard on your podcast. Well, she's really, um, I mean, she's a mixture of a great housewife, a horror story. Uh, she really is so important in the Bravo universe, but just a very scary individual. She's blocked me a long time ago. Um, but, but she's she, clearly batshit. I mean, yes, I think I, in my notes batshit. to you about and this, she, it was... She it was, was actually, I think, detracted from some of the documentary, honestly. I think it's, you know, this morning in the Instagram universe, she's a million memes about her in the documentary. And I think it was actually a little detracting. Her and, you know, maybe even Dana and Heather as well detracted from kind of... Well, I mean, you guys, you guys will be hearing Dana right after Megan on today's pod. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get her take on all of this in a bit. But um, uh, I do find it interesting that I found it amazing to use Danielle because it is, to me, shows you what a cautionary tale all of these housewives' lives are. And Danielle has is now known for kind of trying to keep this fame going when she's no longer on the show. And there was multiple talking head quotes from her that I found very interesting, including one of like, you know, she, you know Erica Jane was the best cast housewife uh, just like I was. And I thought that was, I mean, just the... The still trying to feed your ego through this, I found just so insane, but good. I, I thought it, I thought it really set the whole thing up. Oh, I thought it, <laughs> I think it took away from some of the, you know, seriousness of the content, but agree to disagree. Well, I, I let's just agree that I'm right. And then we'll not do the, this is, yeah, this is your show. You're yeah, right. Exactly. So, um, but I like in your notes, you said literally anyone with actual credibility could have given a talking head here. Um, I talked to Erica Jane for 22 seconds in September, 2019. She did say a funny thing. She said she worked two times with Erica Jane on watch what happens live. And I'm like, you were a guest on what you didn't work. This wasn't clocky. Watch what happens live is sitting down across from Andy. It's not like clocking in at the coal mines, you know? I mean, you were in the audience for a couple of those episodes. So I w- I, that, who, I call who that have work. you worked I, with, Ryan? Well, I, that is not work according to the unemployment department of California. I did not, that is not work at all. That is just entertainment for me. But I love the, the sense that she thinks of this as work. And I found that really hysterical because basically we're talking about you guys though all of this started because these housewives they want attention so badly and then they get to then say it's like their job or their work and we know a lot of this you know a lot of tom's money issues are his own fault but he spent a lot of this money um making erica jane famous and i have a guest on on wednesday's episode that'll even go into a little bit more where uh Erica, like they were paying for like flights to with Yolanda Hadid to they, that's how Erica Jane got introduced as a friend of Yolanda when in fact they really weren't friends. They had met once or twice, but it was a favor from uh, Tom Girardi to David Foster, who was married to Yolanda at the time. It is a tangled web we weave. So, um, but I see this is why it's so well produced, Megan, because they start off with, um, the expensive to be me video and you hear the music they have clips of uh uh dana wilkie with the twenty five thousand dollars sunglasses but they didn't do that at the right time though the dana wilkie thing so something Man, I you are really up this uh, up this uh news documentary's ass already like can you well, i just not- think i mean i'm sure literally everyone in the bravo verse is watching this today Um, So anyone who's listening, I'm sure has already seen it. And I found it a little confusing. The first time we saw all of the talking heads, they didn't tell you who they were 
underneath when they were speaking until maybe like the second or third time they were speaking in the documentary. So the first 10 minutes- According to you, it could have been anybody talking. You didn't think any of these people were worth their salt. Well, I mean, you didn't know. You didn't know. They didn't even say like Christopher Darden. I mean, most people probably recognize him, right? But like, they didn't say who these people were. They didn't establish how they were relevant to what was happening. And then I don't even think they used the best material. Like Dana, when she's talking about how, you know, Erica's blowing money, blowing money and left and blowing, right. Yeah. 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 Blowing money left and right. That was the perfect time for the, the subtitle under her name to say owner of $25,000 sunglasses, pot kettle. Now if they you, use it later. If you guys, you know, continue on listening, Dana will be on. And I do ask her, if she now regrets the $25,000 sunglasses in relation to how Erica Jane brags about wealth, how Jen Shaw brags about wealth. And, you know, she kind of was one of the starts of ridiculous wealth. And in fact, I think I might have offended Tane because I said, I think I used the word dorky. I said, you know, it's so dorky. And then she's like, sorry, I'm dorky. Um, uh, I didn't mean that uh, to her. I just meant like we see some of this Erica Jane stuff and I sometimes really roll my eyes when we know the story beneath it, you know, it's all facade. Um, They also, this is the darkest, was one of, if not the darkest thing for me because of the implications was that during this, during the beginning, we hear the use of Boy George's Karma Chameleon from Culture Club. And if you guys are living under a rock, you, you are well aware that Boy George is represented by P.K. Dorit's husband Dorit's handsome husband pk boy george is like his only client i think but that means he licensed this song boy george's song to abc news and that is fucking dark if you think about it like what i mean because i was thinking the the song karma chameleon is it is it was that like an implication of like tom's a chameleon I or was it so. just, or was it no, just I think, like, it, it, I think lyrically it was placed there on purpose because it was kind of with a voiceover where he was talking about, you know, that he was kind of shady and that he, you know, I, I think the lyrics and what they were trying to get across actually were, it was supposed to be a message. Like but to when, me, the when further, you put lyrics on your instant messenger away message, hoping a boy would read it. I, that was like the vibe I got there. Well, to me, the, the bigger implication was like, who represents Boy George? Like, you totally. Could, I mean, it was in my notes. I was the first thing I thought of. I was like, everything is coming together. And then later, I mean, there was something that made me think of Brandy Glanville too. So there was a lot of um, you could you could have picked you could have picked any song. Like I, I'm saying, there are so many songs in music that would probably convey the same thing. You know, like so I found that just so dark and disturbing. Um, now, uh, so this first part is kind of about the riding high and all of the money that they have uh, spent. Uh, Heather McDonald, pod, uh, very big podcaster. I know you're friendly with Heather. Uh, she is one of the talking heads on the pod. And she lets us know of a story where Erica Jane came to do her pod, which was not filmed. And she came with a hair person, a makeup wardrobe. Um, and it was like, you know, you're blowing $2,000 a day for a podcast. Now, I I will blow like a couple dollars a day on this podcast. And by any, no guest that comes on here has blown any money on this podcast when working with me. Silence. There's I, I, I mean, I, I certainly silence. have not. Yeah, I certainly silence. have not. I brushed my hair before this. Um, Daniel Staub also lets us know that um, she, admi- this is very gracious of her. She admires Erica Jane's determination to perform, even though she can't hold a tune. Um, 
I do want to remind people that Daniel Staub tried to be a singer at one point as well. And we've highlighted that on the podcast in earlier episodes. So the shade is just so, I mean, Daniel Staub, I see, I think she nailed it. I think she was such a good blend of horrible um, and cautionary and snarky. And I, I just thought she was perfect. But I just don't think they established her as like, why is, why is, why is she relevant to this? We well, find well, out a little bit later. Because I think we don't see, I, I disagree in the fact that w- everybody watching this knows exactly who she is. There's not a lot of people that are just coming to this. I think that's why they put it on Hulu as opposed to just releasing it on ABC is because Hulu, it's a specialty thing. We're all going to Hulu to watch that. Whereas ABC, you have more uh, just like just mom and pop who have no idea who the housewives are. Like Bill and Becky could just click to that if it was on ABC. Exactly. And they wouldn't know what the hell was going on. But I think it's such a specialty thing. It drives people over to Hulu. Everybody's talking about it today. Day, but I don't know what the audience. W- I mean, I don't. I really don't know if this would be great if you didn't know who the housewives are. You know, like I, I, I'm curious if it would be as exotic or entertaining for just the man off the street or the woman off the street. You know, yeah, it could get a little procedural with some of the terrible things that he actually did to people, which is in like the, the end of the documentary. They definitely were putting making it housewives heavy at the beginning to, you know, I think keep. People like us watching. Um, uh, also, Danielle Staub, another thing, she explains they are um, they they are kindred spirits because they both worked at the same uh, uh, titty bar, Shakers, if you in in New Jersey. Right, but the- why didn't they say that right at the? Be- I would have loved if they would have established that at the beginning. They really buried the lead on that one. That I'm, so, I'm, so, I'm so sorry, ABC News. I'm so sorry, Megan is not here for you guys uh, today. I I loved it. Um, but I thought that was another great um, reason of why she's there. They, they both had similar upbringings. And um, I thought that was great. You know, um, we also get that they, they really were a star power couple. Um, and people don't really realize. I mean, we've talked about a lot on the pod. And of course, you guys know this for yourself. But Tom Girardi really was a titan of Los Angeles. Um uh, you know, kind of a law institute. Girardi Crease was very powerful. Uh, they even show a Watch What Happens Live clip where uh, Governor Newsom from California was only on Watch What Happens Live as a favor to Tom because Tom donated a lot of money to Governor Newsom's campaign, which is just, I mean, this is how it works. This is how it works with these rich people. It's all handshake deals, favors, calling in from other people. And I just thought you just see how everything works and how everything kind of sucks, you know? Absolutely. But, and also those handshake. Oh, you froze. Favor. You froze. What was that? I was just saying all of that behavior also worked to his favor as well when it came to staying out of trouble with the bar for many years. Yeah. I mean, so right now is the bar has finally admitted it. And at the end of this documentary, you do get a clip from the California bar saying that they have made, you know, mistakes over the last 40 years with Tom Girardi, which is big of them. But he was whining and dining the California bar and they were literally looking the other way. And if you think about the implications of that, that is so dark because what is I mean, is there a. You know, as a lawyer, do you sign some creed or some oath where you are doing this for the good of the people? Yeah, you actually, you are sworn into the bar. So incidentally, next week when I'm back in California, I have to get sworn in since I just passed the California bar. And I mean, they're not doing a swearing in ceremony during COVID. 
and you'd think that this was like not I mean, who cares. No, I actually ha- cannot be put on the website as a registered California attorney until I state an oath in front of a licensed individual. You have not only an oath um, that you take when you pass the bar, but there is also you know, ethical obligation. There are California, you know, rules of professional conduct as well as national ABA rules of professional and ethical conduct that you have to abide by. And he apparently has not. Now, uh, Megan, uh, in, in, in talks of, uh, and she said, uh, you can get anybody to swear you in. And if it was in person, she was going to try to get justice Trisha Bigelow, who was the uh, judge for uh, that cheated with uh, Tom Girardi, supposedly. Well, yeah. Well, when I first got uh, news that I passed the bar, they send you a packet in the mail and they say, you have to go have someone swear you in because you can't do it like in mass right now because of COVID. And then they give you a list of people that can swear you in. And it's like ridiculous. It's like the governor, the mayor, um, you know, a trustee of the California bar, like all these people that you don't know, a judge, a magistrate. Like, I don't really know these people. And I was starting to panic, like, how am I going to find someone to swear me in? Literally, the only judge name of a judge in California that I know is Justice Trisha Bigelow. But then it turns <laughs> out a notary can do it, so I'm going to have a notary do it. But, I mean, so as a lawyer, though, when you watch something like this, is, is and honestly, is this disgusting or is this just how law works? You know, it's always, it, there's always some bad things. It's just how it all works. Um, I think it it seems pretty egregious if everything is true as it appears. And obviously, you know, everything is alleged at this point. It looks pretty egregious and it looks pretty textbook, like not like what you are not supposed to do as a lawyer 101. Like, is it how things work? I mean, every profession has bad apples. Um, You know, no profession has, you know, perfect people. Doctors aren't perfect. Lawyers aren't perfect. Actors aren't perfect podcasters aren't perfect except for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, you but, hear that? Yeah. You hear that Heather McDonald? <laughs> um, no, I, I do find it interesting what, I mean, he was literally showing up at the bedsides of burn victims crash, but you know, like showing up and going, I'm going to take care of you, buddy. You got the, you know, and, and he was a very uh, positive force at, at the beginning in a lot of these victims lives. And he really, you know, assured them he was going to take care of them. And to find out that their horror story leads into another horror story is so, to me, that's like just true horror. Imagine. Yeah, and you started to see like he definitely had a shtick, right? And like uh, many of the victims felt like he was going to take care of me. He had my back. And so he probably had similar things that he said at the out of these relationships. I don't know that that's necessarily in and of itself a bad thing. You do want to develop a rapport with your client. You want them to trust you. They want them to be comfortable. They are going through terrible times. So even if he kind of says the same thing at the beginning of the relationship, it doesn't mean that that's not true. I think what happened is what's, what's very, very bad. And the other thing I thought was interesting, Ryan, was the voicemails and we can get into them a little bit later in the documentary, but the voicemails that we heard in December related to the Lion Air case, and you played them on the pod, and we talked about them in December. And by the and way, remember- you guys can go back and listen to that December episode. Uh, it is on there. I believe it's entitled, like, Emergency Episode. So you can go back and search and So Bad It's Good. It's free for everybody to listen to it. Uh, but there's a lot of information on that podcast. Yeah, but when we listened to those voicemails, remember we were really taken aback because he was like, don't be mad at me. 
I'm a good guy. And like, and we were just like, this is so weird. But then in this documentary, they play voicemails that um, different plaintiffs received from him. And, and it was the same, the same stuff. thing. Same he said the stuff. same thing. And then I was like, ooh, like, yeah. I mean, this He's don't like, be mad at anything. Like I really just like had a visceral reaction to, it. but then it, like, it come on, God, come on. Hey, hey, I'm a good guy here. come on. I'm, I'm a good, good guy. guy. You know, people will tell you I'm a good guy. Like it was really creepy. And the way he, I mean, that was another thing that I just found very fascinating from like an acting standpoint was I was watching his depth and just the way he speaks, you know, like you're a bitching guy, like the, yeah, his verbiage. <laughs> he said he told that guy, he told the remember he told the guy he's like he would say things to me like you're a bitching guy. And the way he would present it to, it to his clients where he'd be like, uh, hey, um, you know, I have been given the authority to give you some money. And uh, you know what? They they say to do it on Friday, but I'll wait a week and we'll get this settled. And, you know, he would blame other people. There was a judge that was involved that he would say, I was given the authority by this guy and we're only going to give you a little bit of the money because he is so taken by you, thinks you're such a sharp kid that he just does not want you to, uh, you know, to have the problems that a lot of people your age might have with this kind of money. It was yeah, so so weird. Kind of like, like some paternal, like paternalistic. But he knew that a, he played on looking like the the ideal uh, grandfather almost. Yeah, but it was a house of cards, and we we can talk about the kind of the settlement details in a, in a little bit. But I think it, there was definitely a paternalistic vibe going. Um. So, uh, you know, it is. You know, we we get shots also of the mansion we get a tour of the pasadena home abc digs into their vaults and uses unused footage from 2017 where erica jane is taking a reporter around and including her closet now we've looked up this house uh, uh you know in pasadena and the only thing i don't like about the house it's i believe it's only like four bedrooms for some place that's like a a million square feet. That's the must... only thing you don't like about it. <laughs> I, I kind of like the I like the wood paneling look. I don't mind it. In oh. fact, Sonny Houston, who is uh, one of the talking heads on The View every day, she is in this, which is very interesting. Somebody pointed out to me, a listener, that Megan McCain is good friends with Erica Jane. So it is very funny that Sonny actually was a talking uh, head oh, on this. Um, so I thought that was interesting, but it looked like Sonny in the background. She was in a wood paneled room where I was like, I wonder if they rented out Tom's mansion, even though he's, <laughs> no, supposed- he's living in it right now. That's what they said at the end of the documentary. Maybe, they said maybe, he's living in it. Maybe just a certain part of it he's living in, but, um, the chapel. Well, this is also the interesting thing is that, um, there's a quote in here. I think it's from Daniel Staub of didn't realize a trial lawyer could make that much money. And so funny is that I remember Erica Jane first coming on the scene in these uh, seasons. And I was the same way of like, damn, like I know these settlements were PG and E and airline and all this stuff were really big settlements, but still I was like, yeah, but still how much would Tom really get? I remember thinking those thoughts, but just, kind of letting those thoughts go because I just accepted it. Just kind of like we accepted that we knew what Jen Shaw did, even though every time she said what she did, it made no sense at all. We just kind of accepted it and said, Mary Cosby's crazy, crazy instead. I, think yeah, I mean, I don't think it's unheard of that a trial lawyer can be wildly successful and have a $13 million home. You know, keep in mind, not only did he have big settlements himself, like he was also a name partner in his firm and it's a business and there are other attorneys working and, you know, you know, partners in my firm, the owners make money because the associates and the, more, the younger attorneys are also working. So it's like, you know, it's also a business as well. So to me, it wasn't, 
out of line that he have a 13 million dollar home two private jets uh spending all of that money on erica jane's career all the music videos all of that she says they're spending that much money but like when i hear stuff like that i'm just like oh you're like you want you're projecting you want people to think you're super rich like i feel ever since i've gotten to la last year i feel like a lot of people in la try to project an image of wealth and they're you know mortgaged to the hilt you know, but even I, some of my colleagues that make the same amount as me are in houses that cost four times as me. And it blows my mind. But I think that certainly in some parts of the country, you know, Miami, L.A., you know, images everything and people, you know, spend their money differently. But I I, I just feel like there was even a thing of like, well, I mean, I know lawyers can be very wealthy, but to me, that level of wealth really was shocking to me. Like I seen that she was spending more than all of the other housewives combined. And, but now we find out that he was bilking tens of millions of dollars that was not his money. Like that wasn't his money. He was not as wealthy as he was saying he was, he was spending other people's money. So he wasn't that wealthy at all ever, you know? Yeah. But I don't think being very wealthy was, inherently suspect do you think they'll forensic account this and it'll be released enough where we'll find out the first time he pulled this like what decade it was like this has been going on for a very long time obviously i wonder what the first thing was i wonder what the first thing that really was like oh shit i can do this and get away with it well i mean i think it's probably been a very long time if every if everything that we're seeing is accurate that he you know lawsuit a settlement comes in and he you know you know pays the next person from that and so on and so on. It seemed like he was probably always borrowing from the last big settlement. Yeah. Now, Dana Wilkie talks about the pressure to spend money on these shows, which she talks a little bit about in our interview later. Um, But uh, Danielle also gets a great quote in here in the beginning of like, you know, all these housewives, these ladies, I use that term loosely. It's just, I mean, she's just a different level of petty. Um, Teresa, Vanity Fair reporter is on here. And, uh, you know, he's like, all of a sudden there's a category of housewives with legal issues. Teresa Giudici being a patron saint of this. Uh, like you say, Luann kicked a police officer, Jen Shaw's issue. Uh, and the Vanity Fair reporter points out that all of us are just thinking that we pray to God that the cameras are rolling. And that's very accurate. Like, yeah, I, I mean, mean you talked about that with Heather Gay last week, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it's very accurate. We really do pray. And that's why I think Salt Lake is going to be so fascinating because we finally get our wish. We finally get, like, we got this tepid, um, really cold text message at the end of Beverly Hills last week from Erica Jane of like, ladies, I'm getting a divorce. Thank you for standing by me. I mean, I think that's probably like the warmest, most heartfelt text she's probably ever sent in her life. I mean, probably, but it is funny how inherently cold, as PK says, she really is. Um, But also, I got to go back, that karma chameleon, because Erica went up (laughs) against PK. You guys, Erica went up against PK that season in Pantygate, and I don't think PK has ever forgotten it or forgiven her, because I think Dorit is fine with Erica Jane, but PK... You think PK reached out to ABC and was like, look... Well, my uh, thought like is, my thought is, I wonder if PK uh, even let Dorit know that this was in this thing. I have a feeling, like, and and I would kill to read their text message thread right now, the ladies. 
Because you know they all watched it. You know they all watch it. You know there is a master text thread without Erica Jane on it where they're going, holy shit. And, and you know there's a text thread with her on it where they're all being fake supportive, or at least Rena is. Yeah, this is so horrible. Uh, you look amazing, though. And uh, the thing with it... <laughs> I can't be friends with Denise because of uh, this time Harry and his friend were in Canada, but um, <laughs> yeah. I can support you, Erica. I... Uh... I mean, part of me wonders if Erica Jane will watch this out of some kind of morbid curiosity to see to see her on screen, you know, to see herself on screen. Like, this is where, this is what fame gets you. But I also wonder if those other housewives, there's a couple on that text thread are like, holy fuck, I'm next. I know they're going to come for me someday. You know, like, they're- Or, all- je- or they're jealous. Because well, <laughs> they didn't get a Hulu documentary about them yet. I mean, I just wonder how many of these people are involved in illegalities, you know? Probably many. I mean, they they went through a number, almost from every cast. So, you know... Uh- you know, 20 minutes in or so, we we finally meet one of the first victims of Tom Girardi. He's a burn victim named Joe Ruigioma. I don't know what it is. It's R-U-I-G-O-M-E-Z. And this is what I thought the documentary did really well at. They described the tragedy the that the neighborhood, he was in his house about to watch a game. All of a sudden, there was like this huge bubbling under the surface, and the neighborhood was leveled by a gas explosion. His girlfriend died. Um, his mom was a best friend, uh, is best friends with this lady, Kim, that we meet, who's a legal consultant. Um, but we get Joe's story. He was burned on over 90% of his body. The, uh, his lungs were burned. We get pictures of this. We see him at the very end with his shirt off and see like he lets it, you know, he's going in for surgery still to this day for the rest of his life. And this is where that money would have gone to. And it is so important to put a face to this tragedy because until then you're just thinking about Erica Jane and Tom Girardi and what, you know, like, Oh my God, this is so uh, titillating in this weird way. But to see the victims, I mean, it gives it a whole new level for me. Did you feel the same way? Absolutely. I I think this is what the documentary does do. And it's, you know, humanize the victims and gives them a platform to tell their story. Yeah. So this everything else we basically knew. No, and I thought that's, but I thought this was great. Um, but this Kim Kim Archie, who was friends with uh, Joe's mom, was a legal consultant. She wasn't working for Girardi and Crease at the time, but she eventually did work as a legal consultant for the firm for seven years, which I found interesting. And uh, she says we were confident he could win win it for us. In regards to Tom, we just didn't know how much of a snake he'd be along the way. Um, so I thought that was very interesting. So. Girardi Crease had taken on PGE twice and won. One of those cases, I believe, was the Aaron Brockovich story, right? I don't remember who he sued for, you know, Aaron Brockovich, but again. But but anyway, so he went up against him twice. They also let us know some insanely important information. Tom Girardi is only 5'5", you guys. That, I think, that now that is new information. Now, Joe Rogan, I hear, is only 5'3". So there is something to be said for... If there is a, you know, it is just don't trust a man under five, seven. I mean, don't trust a man regardless, but under, I mean, if you, every inch under five, seven, I think is something suspect, you know? Wow. Sorry. You sound like you're, you sound like you're a woman on a dating app. Um, how dare you, how dare you, man? No, um, <laughs> but the victims, uh, 
the victim's mom said they were surprised to hear the case had settled. So he settled this case. He's like, I settled it for you. Uh, Joe, the, the victim was okay with the number. It made him feel comfortable. So this uh, is actually interesting from a, a legal ethical perspective. And I don't know, I don't think the documentary did a, a real amazing job with kind of getting into this. You cannot settle a case without your client's permission to settle it. You have to have authority from your client to settle a case. So like the way the mom spoke saying she was surprised that it settled made it sound like he wasn't in communication with his client and getting authority to settle the matter, which um, is not okay. But then when Joe was like, yeah, I was happy with the number. Like I thought it was good. It was going to take care of me. That kind of made me think that maybe he did have um, the authority that he needed to settle the case. Yeah. Or he was, or Tom was banking on the people that, that, that these, he was dealing with dummies and he could do whatever, and they weren't going to look into how the quote-unquote law works. If Tom is already cheating and stealing money, he's not going to really care about rules and things like that. He's obviously not following the letter of the law anymore. I was just, I just wanted to point out that even that, you know, we've been talking about kind of like the cardinal sin of commingling funds and taking your client's money, which is very obvious. But there are maybe some other things that were done that were also not on the up and up from a legal ethical perspective. I wonder if I could be a lawyer. I think I might. Like, I think I've got a mind for this, I think. As I listen to myself wax poetic, I really think I've got something here, you know? Well, do you want me to help you? Um, we could do a Kim K thing. I'm a no, lawyer. No, I'm, I'm good. No, I don't want to say No? I just want to, I want to go in cold. I have okay. a feeling if I went in cold, that would probably be my best bet. Well, I mean, the baby bar is on the 22nd of this month. So I think you I'll wait for the grown up bar. I don't need no baby bar. Um, so there's a helpful graphic on client funds. Every, law every lawyer knows if you dip into the client's account, you will be disbarred. Um, he said he invested his client's money with a guaranteed 6% interest. So this sounds to me like a whole other business he was running outside. Within yeah, the law this, firm. Need, this needs some more development, actually. I but was do other law firms do this? I mean, not... I have not come across this. Obviously, though, I, uh, I work at a very, very large law firm. My clients are generally large corporations. We're not, I'm not a, a class action attorney or a, a personal injury attorney like Jordan. He's so I don't know if this was a separate business where he was then professing to be an investment advisor for settlement funds that clearly belonged to his client. That seems a little odd to me or but yeah, it's just weird. All of a sudden he's operating Morgan Stanley out of Girardi crease. Like he's like, you know, like, I mean, and we all know Wells Fargo has better rates. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Sonia. But, yeah, so uh, I, don't know, I don't know. Like if, and again, I think we need some more facts here. Like sometimes settlements are structured settlements and sometimes settlements are lump sum settlements. So I also don't know from this, if this was a lump sum settlement where the cash had come in and he should have, you know, taken out his fees and given the money to the, the people, or if this was structured as like a structured settlement where money was coming to his client over time based on the terms of the settlement with the defendant, where maybe that makes more sense. I mean, I just don't have enough information on it, but well, I will tell you, like you, I thought it seemed a little hinky. Well, it's just, it, it, it's like, oh, um, oh, you're going to buy a house with that settlement? Well, please buy it through my uh, housing department. Like, I mean- well, Isn't like it starting to smell like Jen, the Jen Shaw allegations? Like, remember how she was, um, I think there's what? some analogies. Wait, what, what did she, what did Jen Shaw do? Well, just like, you know, like she re allegedly her scheme re-victimized people. So they yeah. went after, you know, went after them 
and then trying to go after them once they were in debt to try to help them with the debt that they went into on the business that she allegedly scammed them to get into in the first place. So it was like re-victimization. So Joe, one of the other victims says, you know, the checks did not come when he said they would. He was so hard to get a hold of. And this is when they play a voicemail from Tom. He's like, I got the authority to distribute Friday, buddy. Uh, You know, um, and uh, he asked to meet in person and offered the investment deal on Monday instead. And, uh, he said, uh, you know, hey, you guys are like family to me. You know, he talked very, I, I love his pattern of speech. We meet uh, Josie Hernandez, Jose, uh, another former client. She lets us know her story about an implantable device for incontinence. I will eventually need that. And uh, they had to sue the manufacturer. And he settled the case for $135,000. Um, she observed a lot of turnover with the attorneys, attorneys at Girardi and Keese with, with her case. So by 2019, she wanted to know what was going on with her case. Um, so now we're starting to get these things piling up. Um, we're back to the uh, Ruigi Omez family, uh, the burn victim. And Tom would always reference parsing out the money per the judge's instructions, um, even though Joe was over 18 when the accident happened. So he would act, like I said earlier, that he was doing a favor for you because you're young. We're going to, you know, we're going to take care of you, buddy. And we're not going to let you spend this, uh, you know, spend this uh, recklessly when that's exactly what Tom was doing was spending recklessly. Yeah. Fuck this guy, you know? Um, so Kim, the legal consultant uh, that was friends with the Rudiomas family, uh, her son dies. Uh, they hire Tom as the attorney. So this is funny. I, they think Tom is good enough where they hire Tom. No, they didn't want to hire him. So this actually oh. was probably one of the best quotes in the non-Daniel Staub best quotes of the yeah. documentary. And so the, the woman who is serving as the legal consultant, whose best friend's son was the burn victim, her son tragically dies, I think, in a motorcycle accident. And yes. there was um, you know, a need for representation. And so they talked about it and they were already starting to feel like, yeah, we don't like the stuff that's going on with Tom and the other case, like they saw everything wasn't on the up and up. And so they weren't inclined to go to him and they went to other attorneys and other attorneys in town didn't want to step on Tom's toes and wouldn't take the case. So there was an implication of kind of like, Oh, like the, the bar, the local bar, no one wants to you know step on his toes, piss him off. So they had Tom take on the case, even though they had misgivings and, and they were like, look, like, who are we going to talk to about this? Like we were, you know, in a rock and a hard place. We can't go to the DA there. He's friends with the DA. We can't go to the chief of police. He's friends with the chief of police. We can't go to the AG. That's Tom's friend. And she was like, who are we going to call? Like the Ghostbusters? Who's going to help us? And it's almost like um, it reminded me of the OJ uh, documentary where everyone was like, he was friends with everybody. Like, how are you going to get justice? He's in with all of the people that are supposed to you know, keep us safe and protect us from this type of behavior. And this is what I hate about rich people. Hopefully, eventually I'll hate myself for the same reason, but it's really all It'll about- be refreshing to hate yourself for different reasons. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, all about relationships, though. This is really how rich people move around in society is doing favors for other rich people. So Tom Girardi did a lot of favors for people, donated a lot of money of other people's money to other people, and he gets a lot of favors in return. And that's why when this thing crumbled, it, you know, it's potentially will- be interesting to see the long, uh, the, the lasting effects because potentially other people will be involved in this in terms of, I, I imagine down the line and who he donated to who, you know, it's like all of a sudden 
you know, it's like with Jeffrey Epstein's money is and I and I know sexual abuse is very different than what Tom did. But, you know, you know, Epstein took down a lot of people, you know, like took and, and potentially will take down a lot more because of all of his connections and stuff. So, you know, everybody turns a blind eye when money's involved. And I think this is just another case of that, you know? Yeah, I think people in institutions are already starting to distance themselves from him. There are, you know, legal organizations that have bestowed awards on him, which have like totally rescinded them. They want nothing to do with him. They're really kind of stepping back. Obviously, the State Bar of California did an audit on, you know, their dealings with him over the past 40 years and have come out in the last week or so and saying that based on the results of our audit, like we fell down. You know, we didn't do a good job. And so I think there's a lot of people that are like, you know, don't want to be taken down with him and are going to be distancing themselves from him. So Joe realized his last payment was in 2017 that something sinister was going on. There was lots of rumors, cases about him. Uh, There was a rumor about him not paying co-counsel. What does that mean exactly? So this came up actually in the, the Lion Air case, right? Like where... Tom Girardi would work on cases and then there would also be local counsel. So this Lion Air case, which we talked about back in December, you talked about with Bravo Bone Collector last week, um, you know, kind of came to light publicly in December of last year because Girardi's co-counsel, like local counsel in Chicago, who's also representing the victims alongside of this big name out of town hotshot Tom Girardi, also didn't get paid. So they were owed money for the legal services that they were providing. And then the victims weren't getting paid. And so it was actually this co-counsel that brought the whole house of cards down or is bringing it down currently. So yeah, uh, but also the chalked up to big cases, dot, 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 enemies coming out of the woodwork. And then Megan, since she remember hates ABC news division, she goes real missed opportunity for Erica's quote about the bigger your life, the bigger your problems, which she had that quote. in this shared my notes with you. You're really, you're really, well, I'm saying you really came for ABC in this. You really just point out everything that they did. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying, I think honestly, Ryan, I think you could have put this documentary together, but can't you, can't you get what, yeah, this is. I feel like this with everybody. Like, well, can you name one good thing you like about ABC News? And <laughs> can you maybe like like focus on the positive. I, I, you know what? I will tell you. I really, I like that they did this, and I like that they gave the victims a voice. I think, though, it did feel it was put together pretty quickly. I think that with okay, a little. Well, see, see, that's that's not something nice when you pair it with something that they did wrong. No, I mean, I'm you saying. I, say, pretend, I, I mean, this could have been. I could have easily sat down for three hours. I think they could, I, and, they, and no one really wanted to talk to them, right? Like we saw at the end, Erica Jane wouldn't talk to them. Tom wouldn't talk to them. The California bar wouldn't talk to them. Bravo wouldn't talk to them. So they were hamstrung a bit with people that like weren't. Da- you know, Danielle Staub was like, I'll talk. Right. I will talk. Um, but I think that there, there, are, there are many, many more victims. There were probably dozens of stories like the ones that we saw. Um, and I think that there was you, there. They could have gone more into um, the conservatorship. They could have gone into his claims of dementia. Like he was well, remember, this is still very month, like just a few months ago at um, convention. So I mean, I think there was there was some meat there that they really could have gone full on expose with. But Megan, don't you think this is this is early on? Like we still don't know the fallout from this. this is I mean, they, there might be three more of these things down the pipe. There you know, I, and I we don't know. I, I, I am glad that ABC did this. But um, I think we don't, but we, but we, need but done more. we don't know, like, 
we don't know what's going to happen to Erica Jane. We don't know if she's going to get pulled in. We talk a little bit about that in the Dana interview after this, but I am curious of like what the next steps are. Obviously we find out through the documentary, they liquidated his assets to pay back creditors, which what's ha- which is what happens when you are forced into bankruptcy instead of choosing to be in bankruptcy. Um, the a law 360 reporter says they ran a search in their archives and found clients accusing him of doing something unethical, not giving them all the settlements. Now, my question to you is, well, this is so confusing to me because isn't, Okay, so there is a place where you can look up all this information. What happened with the checks and balances? How did this fall through the cracks if there are all of these complaints about unethical abuse and settlements and things like that? Why wasn't this caught much earlier if there's a a record of all of these things? Well, I mean, I'm sure every single time he was able to come up with an excuse, come up with a reason, fix it, patch it up, you know, with whatever settlement from the last time. And just, you know, it was a house of cards. And so I'm sure every single time he was able to immediately be like, oh, 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 this was just a misunderstanding. Hey, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a bad guy. Come on, guy. Exactly. I, there was probably, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. And he me. probably fixed it really quickly when, you know, it's like when you're really busy at work. Like whoever screams the loudest gets the attention. And I'm sure that worked. And he probably talked to his buddies at the bar. And he's like, this is a huge misunderstanding. You know, and, you know, if, and frankly, his clients were people. His clients are individuals who are probably often not terribly sophisticated and they're going through tragedies. And so I'm sure he was like, you know, look, these people are under a lot of stress. This is just a misunderstanding. He has, I mean, I'm sure in isolated scenarios, like no one was putting together, like, gosh, this is a huge pattern. So, you know, but I'm sure like, he could explain I, it away to the bar. Like, hey, yeah. look, this person's like, you know, just doesn't understand how it works. See, this man was very comfortable with lying is basically what you come away with, you guys. And that says something right there. And that's why I don't necessarily believe the Alzheimer's dementia stuff. Um, And it's even pointed out in this documentary that, you know, he was doing events right up until the pandemic. And one of the gentlemen says, yeah, we uh, I had no uh, hint of any kind of in uh, capacity of his mental faculties, you know? Yeah, I find the Alzheimer's things really fascinating because also that September video, which again is was new, so kudos to ABC for getting us that video because I hadn't seen before. Um, he seemed to be coherent and, you know, he seemed to be with it and understand what was going yeah, on. Yeah, I seemed to, yeah, he was very, look, look, he, I will say he did look very old, but, but he's he is very 81 old. years old. Like, I mean, 80 people in their 80s generally look 80, you know? So, I mean, it's hard to tell. You can't tell. They weren't doing, like, you know, cognitive testing on the deposition. He definitely likely has. And I'm assuming that was his brother next to him in that deposition. I have no idea. I think it was You know, this week, a, a development that happened just this week, though, was Tom actually spoke to the court um, and he said that he did not think the conservatorship was necessary and he wanted yeah. to contest the conservatorship and get some documents together to do that. And, um, the judge, you know, it, it was like a, it was a, not a permanent conservatorship that was granted back in March. It was a temporary and they, they maintained the conservatorship despite the fact Tom was like, I don't think this is needed. 
and there is a diagnosis from a psychiatrist, I think, from back in March. But I, so. but I feel like, see, that that diagnosis, I would be fascinated with who is the psychiatrist. I feel like it's like a law witness that you pay to give testimony that agrees with your 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 theory on any case. I feel like it's bullshit. I feel like you could, I could pay for somebody to say that I was losing my faculties. Arguably, that is possible. I mean, I try, I tried to get my talk space therapist to write me a letter so my dog could fly with me, and she said I didn't have a diagnosis. So, I mean. I think that professionals generally have ethics and morals and are not going to say things that they don't agree with. But what I bringing it back to Tom, though, is I, I think that it's really interesting that, you know, a lot of people have said, well, this Alzheimer's thing is bullshit. He's just saying this so he's not competent to stand trial. Right. But if that's true and it's this big ploy for him to not be competent to stand trial or, or whatever reasoning legally you might find that to be advantageous, then why was he telling the judge he doesn't think that it's necessary? So, hey, so free he's, Tom he's just being consistent with the the alleged scam. Just like free Britney, free Tom, free Tom. Um, I make you a sweatshirt. But like, I mean, he has to go to jail. Like, why even fight to into conservatorship at this point? You're busted, dude. I don't know what fight. Like, why fight this anymore? Like, what is going to happen? Like, how good of a lawyer is he? Can he stay out of jail? Like, I, I don't get how you do this with this many tens of millions of dollars to actual victims and not go to jail. I don't I, I, well, I don't know how much is actually owed because it seems like it was a shell game. Right. So I think when we talked back in December, I think it was like $2 million needed to be accounted for and paid. That's actually not a ton of money. I, I don't know based on like, what are his assets worth? What are the amounts owed? Are his assets enough to cover the amounts owed? See, or is there going that? to be a big delta where there are creditors that are going to be left holding the bag? And I don't think we have that information yet and they're still liquidating. And that kind of brings us into EJ Global and like, what is the pot of assets that can be liquidated C to- Come on. Uh, Come on, Delta. Don't be mad at me, Delta. I'm a good guy, Delta. Um, so, uh, yeah. So we get that deposition thing, the video, which he does say at one point I had about 80 million or 50 million in cash. That's all gone. I had a stock portfolio of 50 million and that's all gone. And this is when it opens the doors to Erica Jane's finances. Erica was subpoenaed twice, which we talked about last week, to give a deposition about the couple's assets. Uh, the hearings were postponed, so she never sat for questions, which is so sad. Like, I really, really would have loved that. And um, uh, so, yeah, so that, I think that was really interesting to the divorce piece, right? Because I think we didn't know that when we first heard that she filed on Election Day. And the question is, like, what did she know? But, you know, now we know, like, she was subpoenaed twice. So she clearly knew what was going on. And in fact, there was a clip from Watch What Happens Live that they used on the documentary from 2019, where uh, uh, someone from Minnesota wrote in and was like, do you think you should scale it down on the glam squad since your husband's, you know, been oh, named no. in a major lawsuit? So like, and I she mean, said, she said and Andy, Andy, of course, lets the, you know, you know, Nancy from Idaho get the, you know, and he was vegan from Minnesota. <laughs> but but she goes, she goes, uh, you know, and Andy goes, what about that? Do you, you care to answer? And she's like, it's uh, it's a lawsuit. I can't I can't comment on it. Yeah, and, but like, uh, I wasn't following her or this lawsuit then. And I assume you weren't either. But like, it's pretty obvious she knew what was going on. And, you know, probably so was planning her. her if she her knows hour. what's going on, what is the financial responsibility on Erica's end? 
Well, it depends on if she truly does know if she. But you just said we've established that. Well, no, I mean, she, she knew served. that her husband was being sued. So she's not named individually, you know, this criminally. This is she's all of her kind of liability comes from the association with Tom at this point. But what I'm saying is she knew that Tom was in some, you know, some hot water for a while. So I don't think the divorce was as out of the blue as we all thought it was. So the Chicago case is what broke all of this publicly, which is the Lion Air crash in Indonesia. And this is when we also get to uh, we find out about Jay Edelson, the Chicago lawyer, and he has been ch- chasing Girardi and Crease for the money for their clients for years now. Um, and uh, there is a little clip of Dana talking to Edelstein on her podcast. Um So, uh, and it says the worst thing a lawyer can do is steal money from clients and it's the worst of, um, and, and, and it's the worst if it's from widows and orphans. And that is exactly who he's stealing for, uh, stealing from. Um, we also, at this point, judge Durkin, uh, found Tom Girardi in this case in contempt. And this is when all the house of cards start falling because it froze his bank accounts and the firm's bank accounts, which if you listen to the December podcast, uh, we had mentioned that Tom Girardi, even though this is not legal, was the only one in charge of the firm's finances, which that is not supposed to happen. There is supposed to be a person, not Tom assigned to a firm's finances, correct? Well, I just think if there are multiple partners, you would have multiple eyes on the firm's finances. Yeah. So, uh, and they say the last thing you want is a referral to the federal prosecutor doomsday. And this is when EJ Global, which is Erica Jane Global, which is just so idiotic, (laughs) EJ Global. I I mean, I guess guess you're not filing the trademark on RB Global then? EJ, well, I do want to make a t-shirt for EJ Global now. EJ Global and just a very strong logo because it just sounds so ridiculous for EJ. Like, what business went through EJ Global? Can we get a business? Like, what what business was it? Just like her performing at gay nightclubs? Like, was that the business that went through EJ Global? Or in my dream, in my heart of hearts, I hope that he was trying to launder money through EJ Global in some fashion. Well, I think what we could do, which I have not done, is looked up on the Secretary of State website, the articles and formation documents for EJ Global. Yeah. You can often pull a company's formation documents and find out the purposes for which it is established. And would you say maybe that was a, um, uh, a really another strike against ABC News for not doing that in this documentary? Is well, you, re- you really want to me to take on ABC here? Yeah, no, no, but I think... I do think if more time was taken, you really could have um, really could have dig, dug in on them a bit more. So this is when the court forced him into involuntary bankruptcy, uh, liquidated his assets. The California State Bar filed charges against Tom Girardi in late March. He is ineligible to practice law, and the State Bar is pursuing disembarment. I disbar like how is that pursuing? Like it should just be an automatically disbar. I mean, I don't understand what the holdup. There's just there's different statuses on your license, so. You have to be an active status to be able to practice law. If your license is inactive, you can't practice, but can it be for a number of reasons? If I didn't do my continuing legal education, if I didn't pay my dues, or if they're investigating me for doing something really bad, then you were put in inactive status and you cannot practice. Once there is a finding that you have, in fact, you know, acted inconsistent with the the legal ethical principles of the state, then you are disbarred. So I think he will be disbarred um, based on 
the own admissions of the California I mean, state without bar. Question, I, mean, I, I feel like this is like, there's no holdup here of like, I mean, oh, he's yeah. also like 81 with Alzheimer's. Like, I don't give a fuck. He should go to his grave disbarred. I mean, I, I, think that be- I, I suspect that that will happen, but it, it there is a thing called due process. They have to go through the investigation. I think that, See, this is the it problem with the like, law. This is, I mean, this is like just, hey, if we made a mistake, we'll we'll rebar you, but you're disbarred, you know? No, I mean, they're not going to rebar him. I think he will be disbarred, but they are, obvi- I mean, they're obviously doing a major investigation. They also audited their own, they're not just investigating his behavior. They audited their own practices in large part because of that, the amazing work that the Los Angeles Times investigative reporters did. Guys, don't worry, you did not start the show over again. This is just to delineate that I am talking about our sponsor today, BetterHelp. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I gotta tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the season must-haves like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I've been talking about them the past couple of weeks, and I could not recommend them more. This is a service that is going to pair you up with a professional licensed therapist. All you have to do is reach out and they will get back to you within 48 hours. Now, this is a service that I actually use that does help me, and I could not recommend it more, especially in this day and age, who at this point wants to drive anywhere unless it's to see your friends and have a great time. This is a great way to do this in the comfort of your own home. And what's so cool is right now, if you visit betterhelp.com forward slash so bad, uh, they will give us so bad it's good listeners 10% off your first month. And I think that's just amazing. It's a good way to try something out that I think is going to really help fulfill you and get you to lead a better life. And, you know, we get a little discount. So that's amazing. So once again, go to betterhelp.com forward slash so bad. Yeah. But so it's it, 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 the bar to investigate themselves. They may be changing the way that they look at client accounts that law firms have, they have not proactively audited client accounts. 
in the state of California, and they may change that, even though that may be costly to the bar to do in light of that. So they really may change their practices in light of what's happened here. So, you that know, could actually they, be a positive legacy of some of this shit. I mean, it would that in a great season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Thank but, God. but it is, I do got to say, though, I, I and Bravo, I want you to keep airing it. If you're listening, please. But there is something a little disturbing when you watch these victims and then you're watching previews where they literally put a Chiron up of like, what did she know? And then you're interspersing that with Kathy Hilton quips and stuff. And there is something a little stomach churning about, well, we, we really have made this entertainment all of a sudden. And we really are. There's a who done it like I keep saying, happening on Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this season. And that's what makes us really fascinated with it. But at the same time, is this, and I'm going to say yes, but is this the proper venue for these issues? Well, you know, I mean, you, you, you and Danielle Staub agree on something because she says, I worked after at, she says I worked that- at, I worked at Shakers as well. Yes, no. After she said Erica's a bitch and so am I, you know, she also gave her advice to Erica, which was, you know- sit down, you know, shut up and basically don't be on the show while this is happening. And um, don't worry about TV, she said. And I think that was my advice for Jen Shaw when we talked about Jen Shaw a couple of months ago. But, you know, while from a legal and common sense perspective, it would probably behoove these individuals to just lay low. It is entertainment. And maybe they think that like they truly have done nothing wrong and it would look shady or like they had done something wrong if all of a sudden they, you know, no comment. Yeah. No questions, please. So, you know, they're starting this, you know, is starting to wrap up. And it, I, I, but another thing too of like, Andy keeps saying that Erica reveals a lot, you guys. Eric, you'll be surprised at how much she reveals. Do you think, but, though, that it's going to be more, like, emotional and about the relationship and that's the reveal well, versus, like, anything legal and interesting? My theory, and something that I believe we talked about in December as well, is that the tr- the Trisha Bigelow text will be a part of the show. Mm-hmm. and it's going. She to does est- that in December. And they were that's coming. what I'm saying. So it's going to establish that that is why she's divorcing Tom and nothing to do with the money. So I believe that was her, her escape uh, parachute yeah. was okay. I always have these texts because she knew about the cheating for years. I even have somebody close to the family that confirms she knew about this cheating for years. They all did. And they laughed about it. it you know, they, they were already over that part of the marriage where that was an issue. Um, so to me, that was her, parachute where it proves that it's not money this was based on a a scorn like you know i do not want a husband that cheats on me i believe that is what we will see on the show and the emotions that go with that so i believe we're about to see erica jane potentially give one of the performances of a lifetime if you know we'll see how good the performance is but i believe that's what we're going to see more than I believe it'll be brought up, but I believe that's what Erica Jane will get into a fight about Sutton about because Sutton will be like, some just doesn't add up. I just don't know. You know, and she's like, shut your fucking mouth. Right. And then we're C-3PO on this one. Give, give us that. I, one. I'm a child of the world. It's me, <laughs> Dorit. Dorit, you know. Pico. No, yeah, I think, you're, I think you're right. And I think the fact that Erica has been so closed off for so many seasons 
any talking about emotions is going to seem like she's really giving it like Andy's saying but so it's I, gonna but also don't you think it's gonna ring false too because of like yeah but I, I mean, well, I'm saying I think you're right Ryan but I'm gonna tell you what my fan fiction fantasy is and that is during the two truths and a lie where Kathy Hilton just gave truths and was just stellar Erica's were very interesting and then she wouldn't tell the story and one of them is she said she wore a wire my fantasy is that Erica knows all of this, has been wearing a wire, and she's going to turn on him, and then she's going to be scot free, and that I think would be real fascinating. Not going to no, happen. No, it's not going to happen. And in fact, we had one of the lawyers say that wouldn't happen because this and this would have happened. You know, like so we know for a fact that is not the case. But, but wouldn't that be so good? That would, that would be, be so amazing. Good. I thought you were about to say your fantasy was like you, like you and Tom in a hot tub, and he takes off his his Brooks Brothers shirt and then just slides oh. into the, and he goes, I'm not a bad guy, Megan. Give me that little, <laughs> give me a little kiss. And, no, uh, I, I, of all of the Beverly Hills husbands, he is not the one, nor PK. Sorry. I don't also have a big potato fetish. So I, I love you, PK. I would like your little skinny PK dick in me. Sorry. Um, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> this is um, why I don't say what firm I work for. No, <laughs> We end, you guys, with the uh, burn victim taking off his shirt in front of a mirror, and it is, once again, a reminder of um, what's happening, of the horribleness of this all, of this gentleman will have to get surgeries for the rest of his life. Uh, you know, we got, uh, you know, the Lion Air gentleman who talked about, um, you know, Indonesia and and the money that he is owed. And these aren't people that are greedy, you guys. Remember, this isn't about personal wealth. This is about money to help them live the rest of their lives. Money that is owed to them. And that is what this is all about. So yeah, and I think that the, the son of the, the woman who died in the Lion Air crash did a really nice job of saying, like, this isn't about... Real Housewives, this isn't about Tom Girardi. This is about like our family eating, essentially. And I thought that really kind of brought it home. And then the other thing at the end that I thought was interesting is, so back to um, the mother of the burn victim who is best friends with the legal consultant whose son died in the motorcycle accident. They've really now banded together and have this like real Aaron Brockovich energy to kind of take down Girardi and Keys. And so they've set up a website and a telephone hotline inviting other of his clients that felt that they did not get their settlement money to come forward. So they're almost kind of now like the Aaron Brockoviches of taking down Tom. Um, so I think that's interesting too. I wasn't aware of them or for that. I haven't looked at their website, but I think that that was an interesting um, tie in as well. Well, so you guys, that brings us to the end of the, uh, the, the housewife and the hustler. I do think it is worth watching, uh, or you could just keep listening to this and not watch, but I think you would miss the visual imagery of a very pulled back Daniel Staub, which are, I, I just, her makeup just is so interesting in this all. Uh, it's fascinating. Um, also NBC universal, the parent company of Bravo did not respond to requ request for comment on this. Um, and, and that's it. You guys will of course, keep you updated with any further developments and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. There will be more to this story. Um, so, uh, is there anything else that we need to know, Megan? No, I think, I think we've covered it. We'll come back if there's any developments and share it with folks. Um, in the meantime, if anyone does know justice, Trisha Bigelow, and she would like to swear me into the bar next week, um, I think that would be a real cute photo op for the old IG. And if you guys want a deeper look with somebody that was actually in the documentary, 
Uh, we'll get ready for our next guest. Uh, you might remember her from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, $25,000 sunglasses, but she is now uh, so much more than that in this universe. She has rebranded herself into uh, into more not just gossip, but gossip that actually has facts behind it. So what you'll find when uh, you join her Patreon or subscribe to her podcast is she has a lot of this paperwork to back up all of the information that she is out there. And she talks about some really wild shit. So I think this is great. She does bring up her Patreon a lot, but she brings a lot of information and there's just a lot of good stuff. Uh, especially I thought the second half of this interview was awesome. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dana Wilkie. This is so exciting. I love our next guest. I got to, uh, be a guest on her podcast. And of course I knew of her from before, but she turned out to be great. Uh, and what I like about her is she has kind of a different perspective than most people that are doing what, uh, she does because of what she's been on. But what's so exciting, this is a pop culture show. And I'm always looking for people to talk about pop culture, not just Housewives, not just Bravo, but I do Kardashians. I do all of this kind of news. But it was so cool, you guys, because I've been raving. Uh, I've been raving about a preview for this Hulu show, uh, The Housewife and the Hustler, that premieres Monday, June 14th. So this will already, this will come out after that, which I think this will be out on Tuesday, but hopefully you guys have watched it because I watched the trailer and I, 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 I literally wept with joy. Cause I was like, this is what we need more news of. And then turns out she was a talking head on this. I saw her and I was like, Oh my God, it's Dana. Um, but you guys might know her uh, from her podcast, which I really want to promote. It's called dishing drama with Dana Wilkie. Um, uh, you of course know her already from real housewives of Beverly Hills, but what you don't know is that she really is becoming one of the foremost people to talk about pop culture and all of the things that we love. Um, and I just kind of get titillated because I think there's such a great perspective from what she's already done in her past. So Dana Wilkie, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, Ryan, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get too excited yet. Um, so, um, so I was very excited to see you pop up. I saw Heather McDonald pop up. I saw you. Um, and I, my dream is to be a talking head on something. And so I was like, oh my God, you're a talking head on a, uh, a news uh, program about pop culture. I love that. How did they approach you to talk about Erica and Tom's uh, divorce? Well, what happened was uh, one of the senior producers at ABC was a fan of my uh, show. Dishing yeah. Drama, as you know, is a mostly Patreon uh, podcast. So meaning you have to, you know, pay to listen to it. <laughs> yeah, you get like, so on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, you'll get like a little teaser. And then it's almost kind of like a, it's almost like a drug dealer. It's like, you like that? Now come over to Patreon and get the rest. Um, which right. I, I, I don't have the confidence to do that, nor do I probably have the content, but I love that you do that because you drop so many exclusives on your Patreon. So they were obviously a fan of that and they reached out because of that. Well, what happened was, you know, from time to time, I'll release a free one too, obviously, right? Like I'm releasing a, free, well, after this airs last Sunday <laughs> for this, <laughs> um, you, you know, I release a free one, which is really juicy. Um, and I do do that from time to time so people can see what it's really about. But um, ABC senior producer was a, a fan of the show. And I have a lot of media outlets that like signed up for the Patreon so they can get uh, leads 
on stories. Yeah, (laughs) I know. (laughs) So anyway, it was, those are like, you know, uh, some of the Patreon listeners that I have. So out of, I think, uh, that experience the producer had, um, that she just was really, really, uh, into the pod, the opportunity came. And one of the reasons is that in my pod, I've interviewed quite a few people related to, uh, the Erica Girardi, Tom Girardi scandal. Uh, so for example, I've interviewed Ronald Richards. I've interviewed, um, Jay Edelson who, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I actually interviewed Matt Hamilton from the LA times who broke the California bar story um, that, that Tom was, you know, motivating the California bar and maybe in an inappropriate way, at least at that time, uh, for the, for a time period, you know? So, um, yeah. So as a result of that, I think it became like, she was like, wow, it'd be really great to have you on. And then she also, um, you know, we started sharing information when we get it, you know, like I'd say, Oh my gosh, did you see this? And she'd be like, see this. <laughs> and yeah. And so it became like a journalist like sharing, which I'm not a journalist, but I, I, you know, I loved like pretending I was one. <laughs> hey, and, this, is, this is Watergate right now. This is like, uh, this is the, the most, <laughs> this is most, one of the most exciting stories that have come out of Bravo and reality shows in like decades. Well, it, you know, I guess, I guess so. Uh, it's kind of, um, it's kind of interesting because the ratings have been so low on Beverly Hills the last few episodes. Um, you would well think across that- the board too, really, with all of Bravo. It feels like I don't know if that's just the pandemic, but you're right. I thought we, I thought they were going to like do an insane season of like two million plus, and they're barely cracking a million. Yeah, that was weird. So that's why I said that in a hesitating way because I think. Um, I was expecting people to do a lot more analysis of the, you know, the episodes to see what they thought about what Erica was doing and saying on the show. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like the fans have taken to that at all, which is really unusual. You know this. Well, how dare you fans? I have taken to it. So how dare you? You're going to come along on this ride. Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is that, um, uh, you know, when, I'm so like, you know, involved with this topic that when ABC reached out for this show, they, they didn't even have a name for it yet. They were just like, this is what it's about. And I was, you know, saying to them, listen, you know, I'm, I'm not a, you know, a housewife. I'm, I'm not trying to position myself as like an ex reality star type person. I, you know, I know a lot about it because I was on a, a show for, you know, as a guest star and as a cast member for a few years, but really I'm, I'm passionate about, you know, positioning myself as the next legally blonde L Woods meets, you know, Mrs. Bridgerton, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, where people are like, don't invite her to my dinner party, you know, <laughs> kind of well, thing. I mean, so- I guess the question, and I love, we talked a little bit about this already about repositioning yourself or actually what draws you to uh, celebrity gossip and pop culture news. Like I know why I, I've liked it since I was a little kid, but where did you see that you're like, I really love this. Is it something that you genuinely love and that's why you do it? Well, I, you know what, what intrigues me is figuring it out. So if you listen to my, you know, my Patreon episodes or go on my Patreon, you'll see that I, I don't just, uh, you know, I release audios and I, I release legal documents and I release photos of stuff. And I ask people to, you know, contemplate the gossip 
with, with the validation to see how they feel about it. And I like to try to figure out what's happened. And so my passion is kind of like really figuring out what's going on behind the pop culture. And that's sort of where it's interesting to me. I don't just like to listen to gossip. I like to find the deep gossip and figure out what's really happening. Well, so what would you consider deep gossip? Is it the Erica Girardi and Tom Girardi case? What what are other examples of your like, I need to dive deeper into this? Well, I mean, for example, in um, episode four of The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, uh, we had a situation where Lisa Renna tells this story <laughs> at dinner, right? Oh my uh, God. Well, by the right. way, tri- trigger warning you guys about what we're about to talk to you about potentially. Okay. Well, yeah. no, because it, she, she brings up, I, you know, she brings up that this story about Harry, that Harry was friends with this guy that then went and raped somebody. And Harry uh, did not feel right about going to visit in prison, even though his other friends were, it was a very weird convoluted story that was not very specific. And that just got dropped out of nowhere on the fourth episode. Yeah. And she says that, you know, he did, he decided not to go visit this friend because, you know, in prison, although his friends had blind loyalty and did go visit this friend, you know, he made the very difficult choice to not go on the principle that this person, um, you know, raped this person and went to jail, whatever. That's the story. So what, you know, is interesting about that and what I would be looking into, like in one of my episodes, I might dedicate a whole thing to this. Uh, which is, you know, the the gossip between be behind Harry Hamlin and when oh, Dana, when oh this my would God. right when this would have occurred because you know there's a ton of gossip floating around about Harry Hamlin and I've done a deep dive of it. That's one of the things I did. I actually released, I believe it was a free episode uh, in the early episodes of Dishing Drama, Dana. If you guys want to go check it out about. Uh, you know, all the gossip around Lisa Renna and Harry Hamlin and, you know, the deep dive type stuff that that's out on Reddit and so on. And basically uh, why that story is so, so interesting is that, you know, he was arrested at one point for running a brothel, supposedly. Wait, 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 what, wait, you know, what's so funny, Dana, is that somebody just DM me this morning about like, oh, look into Harry Hamlin Reddit or something. And I, I sometimes just go, well, I don't have the time for that, but I'm so great. I'm so glad you said this because I didn't realize how many rumors out there about Harry Hamlin there were. And of course you guys remember if you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, they were on that one trip. And remember when Kim Richards kind of came at Rinna and like Rinna literally like broke a glass and was ready to shank Kim. But like, wait, you're saying Harry Hamlin allegedly maybe at one point ran a brothel? Yeah. (laughs) What? Like was this pre-LA law? Was this post-LA law? No, he was supposedly arrested for it. Like it's somehow recorded. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 other rumors about him, obviously. Oh my god, Um, I feel like Lisa Renna's gonna come for us now. We gotta yeah, no, no, no. I mean, it's all it's already been, you know, it's all it's out there. So I mean, it's public record. You can go check it out for yourself and decide if you what you think is real or not. But I mean, some of the the rumors I debunked. They're not real. They, well, like, what they, are some, like, like, is Harry Hamlin Bigfoot? Is that rumor true? <laughs> Maybe. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> he's not. But, I mean, there were some, there were some pretty bad ones, like that he might've assaulted a cast member. Uh, you know, I'm not going to get into that too much. On that this, was but... actually, that was actually the one that was sent to me today when I, yeah. it, and I was like, oh, I never heard of that in my life. Yes. And, and what happened was, is that I found that the actress that everyone said he, um, well, assaulted, I, allegedly. Assaulted, allegedly. Yeah. Uh, you know, said that that didn't happen. So I really so you doubt were able that she to would debunk have said that. Yeah. I was able to debunk that one. Yes. 
but Which the I Broncos love, I love seems that you legit. Actually, look into it. I love that you actually look into it enough to say this is the gossip, but these are the facts behind the gossip. Um, so. Uh, Yeah, I try to be really fair. And I actually try to validate like in a weird way, like recently, there was gossip that uh, Joe uh, Gorga from the Real Housewives of New Jersey, um, you know, that maybe, yeah, that his parents, uh, you know, his parents house was lost in the process of him trying to appear rich in early seasons of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And there was some gossip said that Melissa, you know, had convinced him to, you know, keep a mansion he was originally going to flip that he couldn't afford to keep. And that inspired, you know, working with his dad on, a, uh, you know, getting him into a different house and and then, you know, didn't pay his dad back in the house. You know, he might have lost Nona's house. Yeah. So anyway, so one thing I found was I looked at the property records and actually I did an analysis of it. And it does appear as that. Um, in the property uh, sales records that he did buy a mansion back when they were uh, first filming the Real Housewives of New Jersey for the first season. And he bought it originally in his own name. And then um, about like eight months later, he sold it to him and Melissa, which was really strange for for like a dollar. So, I mean, what's interesting about that is it's almost like he changed his mind and he was going to do like a property in his own name for business reasons. Right. And then he sells it to him and Melissa and they're shooting the show, you know, the first season for that. So maybe he's trying to show, hey, look, I've got the lifestyle to qualify. Right. Well, you know, it's over. we just we just had that Jennifer Aiden thing um, uh, that that supposedly she allegedly she had her husband buy that huge mansion they're in to make her more attractive to get on the show. I just talked about this story last week, which I find it fascinating what these ladies will do to just even try to get considered for the show. Wait, what did you tell me the gossip? So Jennifer Aiden, of course, we, you know, we've seen her cat. We, you know, we saw her on this other Fox reality show. Somebody had pulled a clip of her. Um, you know, she's been wanting to get on Jersey for years now before she actually got on and that they bought their huge mansion or Bill brought the, bought the huge mansion to make it more attractive to the Bravo casting directors for her to get on the show. And I mean, it worked. I mean, I think Jennifer is a great housewife, but I do find it interesting that people are actually buying things to, to try to get on the show, like you're buying huge things that they might not otherwise buy just so they can get on a show. Yeah. That's a really interesting phenomenon that did not exist when I was on the real house size of Beverly Hills. Like people were actually living in their houses and that was the way they lived. Um, I used to I think, love that. I used to love that, that we were actually seeing what I, we, what we were actually seeing was their real lives and that to me was aspirational as opposed to now when I think it's gotten like this kind of haze of, and I think Erica Jane is a perfect example of that is that I think she is all substance, uh, all, all style, no substance. And I don't think there is a there there with her and I can't get a beat on her personality. I just think she's very cold and just full of costumes. Well, you know, she did, I think, hide behind this sort of storyline that was, um, obviously popular that she had these two sides to herself, but, you know, eventually that storyline runs out. (laughs) There's only so much of that that you can do. And, and in terms of really sharing anything that was deep, that wasn't happening with her, you know? And so, uh, yeah, this is, um, 
This is, I think, you know, going to be, I guess, a, a really interesting crescendo for her. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really is. I, I mean, one of the big questions I, I and I know we're dancing all around, guys, but she is a wealth of knowledge. So just go with us here. Um, is that you do know this from a different perspective. And, and, and in some cases, you actually have relationships with these ladies. Has like anybody ever come at you and been like, keep my name out of your mouth. Like, I mean, does it get that? Because with me, I'm kind of like, I can fly under the radar because nobody knows who the heck I am. But for you, you do kind of have a name. And I love that that you are not, I mean, because you're not trying to get back on these shows. You're not trying to be a housewife. You're trying to be in this whole other lane, but it still involves some of these people sometimes. You know, do you ever have people coming for you from that world? Not really, because again, I'm so conscious that when I talk about something that I'm talking about it in a way that there's, you know, either some truth behind it, or I have some, no, you know, I know, right. <laughs> something. Yeah. So they're not going to come at me if they know that I know a truth, right. Or if I'm validating it on something like, I'm like, I read this and, you know, uh, Lindsay Lohan's dad's warrant, this yeah. is in the warrant. Let me tell you about it, because this is going to give you a lot of insight into, you know, why Wendy Williams was wrong and what he did actually is illegal. But wait, the juicy part is this. It's not even that, which yeah. I, you know, I do. You know what I'm saying? Well, let's let's play two truths and a lie now. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> uh, what I think. uh so it is interesting though. Is there a Holy grail for you in terms of paperwork? Like I've been looking for this one court document for years now, and I, I, I try to turn every stone and it, I cannot find it. Is there, is there a Holy grail for you? Um, not really yet. I mean, because I do find it, like I find it may, you know, if something isn't out there, you know, I try to think of, well, what other way could I validate this? And I take it from a different approach, but I mean, I spend hours, on topics. Like I, you know, I did a whole analysis of Melissa Gorga's ex-boyfriend. I mean, it took like six hours. <laughs> like, Wait, was that, was that the strip club guy? No, the, you know, the guy that, um, what's his name? Ryan, I think his name is, but he was the one who released all those, uh, damning Twitter oh. messages that everyone was talking about on Instagram. That one of them was like that, uh, Joe had, had, um, a, you know, had a sexual encounter that <laughs> we won't say what everyone was calling, <laughs> what the text message called it, but let's say the theme is, was covered in uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills episode four in the rape story. Um, but supposedly in college, something happened with that. And uh, Melissa's um, ex-boyfriend was the one who supposedly tweeted it. Now, I did find all these tweets that this guy had written about Melissa Gorga to her sisters. And they were like, wow, they were really harsh. Um, he had a lot to say about Melissa um, and why she ended up with Joe, but I couldn't find the one where uh, that allegation was made. So I, you know, so I did tell the story, but I was like, look, I can't find this tweet. Yeah. I don't know where this tweet is. I see it reproduced. I see it has the same sound as his other tweets. Like it does but I don't see this tweet anywhere anymore. So I don't know. I love that we're even getting into the minutia of this sounds like him on twi Twitter, you know, like, <laughs> no, it does. This, does he has sound like he, this sounds like he, what do you like horrible things that he writes, you know, he said, well, you know, he has like a way, like he's oh, like, yeah. yo, oh, bro, yeah. yo, man, yeah. you know, or, <laughs> and it's always like, uh, you know, like uh, if I could look at you, I would be like, I always, 
I, I yeah, was, exactly. I was hiking in the desert yesterday, and and I don't know if you guys remember on Instagram, he put that <laughs> shot of him. Shore. We put that shot of him laying down with a cactus where his penis would be, and it was like sometimes you got to dream big. And so I was like seeing all of these cactuses in the desert yesterday, and it was making me <laughs> think of Joe Gorga, and I was laughing. Um, uh, so- yeah, so Ryan, her boyfriend, was from the Jersey Shore, and he was actually in with some of the people on that show. So he talks like that in his tweets. So, oh you know, the, the yeah. So the one that came up was definitely like had that tone to it. So whoever, if it was made up, right, about this rape allegation with Joe Gorga, then, you know, it, it was made up to sound like him. Like he, they did a good job. You know, they didn't just type something in. But again, I couldn't find it. So I can't believe it. I can talk about it, contemplate it, yeah. like everybody, but I can't believe it. Can you believe, I, I sometimes cannot believe that this is my life right now. Like I didn't plan on doing this and I and I love it more than anything, but I didn't plan on this. I mean, do you ever kind of um, uh, maybe laugh or shocked of like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I cannot believe that this is like, I'm actually putting insane amounts of time and actually succeeding at digging up these things. I mean, that's probably something you didn't think would be in your life 15 years ago. You know, I always had a dream to go on a show like The View, okay? And that was like my dream. It wasn't to be a reality star ever. It was sort of like, God, I would really love to be like where people would sit and listen to my opinions and why I feel like they're true or not, right? And maybe discuss them and argue them. And so, you know, this is like, was sort of weird step towards that, you know, trying to achieve that dream, do you know what I mean? Yeah, and totally, so like, yeah. yeah. So that's, what's like really getting me going. And, you know, obviously if I could monetize this in some really great way, you know, and, and, you know, then it would be really like, I would be pinching myself, but until you're monetizing at like a large level, it's kind of like a hobby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I'm like, what is mon- what does monetize even mean? I am like, what is that? I don't know what that is. I don't, I've never heard of her. Um, uh, but I like what you, I like what you just said though, is that, you know, I didn't, um, I, I, you know, it wasn't a career aspiration to be a reality star. And I find that so interesting because nowadays that actually is a valid career aspiration. We live in a society now that has been influenced by all of these reality stars and it's almost aspirational like it is with an actor or a musician or, you know, people just think, well, I want to be on a reality show someday. That That's what people, like we were just talking about with Jennifer Aiden, that's what people go for and they work towards and they spend years trying to get in with these casting directors and stuff. And I find that part of it so fascinating, a little dark, but I find it mainly fascinating um, because when you got on the show, you uh, weren't even trying to be on the show. And you guys, we're not, this isn't, uh, I'm not wanting uh, to talk really. If you guys want to talk about her Beverly Hills stuff, I know she's been on plenty of podcasts talking about that. Um, so I, I don't really care as much about that, but um, I do find it fascinating though that that has been your background. So you do bring this kind of different uh, aspect to it. And then yeah, for sure. Because I can see, like, for example, I know why Sutton's crying. Why is Sutton crying? Well, why? Tell us. <laughs> Do you want to know? Well, yeah, because by, by the way, guys, in episode four, I've Sutton cries multiple times and she takes like a, what is it, like a lint roller? Or what is those face rollers? And it's her, um, she's doing face it. Roller. Face, <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to do She's like her. her she's, she's self-soothing herself self-soothing. with this roller on her face. I guess it's supposed to take your puffiness out and like drain your lymph nodes. But she looks like she's about to cry in multiple scenes throughout this entire process. And why is she crying, Dana? Okay, so um, 
Now she actually kind of says it, which is really interesting um, on the episode, but I was like, people are going to miss, miss it. They're going to like hear it, but not really hear it. And what it was, was that when, when you're shooting um, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, one of the things that the producers do a lot of the time are a lot of mind games to kind of, you know, create situations, pe- put people on edge, um, you know, kind of get people to, to be more dramatic than maybe they normally would be about yeah. something, right? So one of the things that I believe that the producers have been doing with Sutton since uh, last season is they've been, you know, they made her feel like she didn't fit in with the the housewife group and yeah. that, you know, she wasn't good enough to be a housewife. She was just going to be a friend. Okay. So what happens is the way the contracts are done, you get upgraded to a housewife from a friend. So a lot of people think you come in as a housewife and you're downgraded to a friend. It, usually you come in as a friend and they say, we're going to test you out. And if we like you, we'll make you a housewife. So it's a little bit different than the fans usually think of it. Okay. Okay. Now what that psychologically does is something really important, which is it makes you want to perform, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like you want to be that housewife, babe. You want to be the, not the loser. <laughs> you better bring it bitch. Okay. So, so basically Sutton in her entire first season is, you know, sort of being made to fail, like, you know, to feel like she's maybe failing right by the producers. Like maybe you come late to the group event or maybe you're not invited to something. Because Dana, they schedule, am I correct in saying that they schedule those entrances? Like they're like, okay, like they, they're the ones that give these ladies call time. So last season they would always have usually like Denise come in last. And I was like, that's on purpose, right? Yeah. They, yeah, they would, you know, it's, it, it would be like a timing thing, or sometimes it can be, um, you know, you're not invited and they make it look <laughs> like it just happened. Like that person didn't like you, but they, they're really just being oh, like, but they, you know, but they, they, they can tell you you're not inviting that person. They would say, well, we'd really like to see you have tea with, you know, Jennifer, yeah. Teresa, and, <laughs> you know, Dorit, but we, you know, so why don't you <laughs> give them a call <laughs> Just throw her in there? Um, you know, and so why don't you, you know, give her a call and, you know, why don't you set that up? And you're like, okay. So then, you know, but secretly then what happens is like, you know, Melissa's like, why wasn't I invited? Well, I wasn't I invited, you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's how it kind of goes down, not to take away all the, you know, I don't want to like ruin it for people, but anyway, that's that. And, and um, so, you know, things like that um, where you're not included or if they, if they are controlling like where you sit, um, like for example, in the reunions, you know, there's all these like secret feelings people have about things that, that that does like influence you on the day, you know, like, Oh, wow. I'm way at the end, you know, or I'm bringing brought in like this. So Sutton's been put through a lot of, you know, that kind of dangling the carrot emotional shit. So what I think happens is for example, when she broke down, remember uh, she was to Dory, she breaks down and starts crying in last season and it's like no reason. I totally believe that she, it was a moment where she felt like she wasn't part of the group and that she wasn't going to be made into a housewife. And so what's really happening is that insecurity is playing out and she starts crying and then she has to make up something she's crying about because she can't say that. 
You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I then mean, it comes off as really dumb. Like, wow, why the fuck is she talking, like, crying over that? Like, that makes no sense. And that's why it doesn't make sense. And that's happening again a little bit in this season. So this season she comes back, she is a housewife, but we don't know what they said to her. And let me tell you some of the things they could have said to her. That's a fun game. Yeah, please. Okay. So they could have said to her, because they do this, um, you know what, Sutton, we're really, you know, we we love having you, you know, we're really close. I think Bravo's really close to making you housewife. It's kind of between you and this other girl, Crystal, that we're thinking about. And so, you know, we're just going to let it go for a few weeks and see how we feel about it. But we feel really good about you if, you know, you bring it and right. So then all of a sudden, what do you think happens when Sutton meets Crystal for the first time? She's like, oh, my God, it's my replacement. Oh, my God, oh. it's the person coming for my housewife position. They wow. don't have to say they don't have to say, hey, listen, we've got room for as many housewives as is good. They don't say that. They say, well, maybe we're kind of thinking about the two of you and maybe it'll be one. Why? Because now whoever brings the most drama wins. They know that. Right now they both are trying to bring yeah. the most drama. And guess who they're attacking? Who would you attack, Ryan? If it's me and you going for a spot, we're on the show. You know I'm going for your spot. You're going to go for Kyle or are you coming for me? I go for you. Right. So why do you think the tension is between Crystal and Sutton? <laughs> That's great. I love And why do you think why do you think when they were on the boat, Sutton starts crying because all the housewives are sitting together and Crystal's sitting with them and she's sitting with the friend Kathy. To her, it had nothing to do with who's who uh, see, or my friend. Yeah, so it's the actual housewife hierarchy instead of actual reality. And I feel like I wish we could get a documentary someday, and I hope eventually, I think we will, is that how really those shows are put together because those kind of mind manipulations and uh, you know uh, social warfare is, to me, just as fascinating as the realities. And I would rather just... I would rather know, like, I would rather know, like the, I would rather see the producers go, this is what we're trying to achieve. So this is how we're going to do it. And to me, that is like the ultimate watching somebody in a zoo because no longer we're seeing their real lives. We're seeing what the producers I feel are trying to get from them. And you can see on Sutton, especially where she, you know, there's multiple realizations where she's like, oh no, I'm going to be painted as so crazy this season. And so she's making herself even be crazier accidentally, you know? Well, what it is, is she's, I, I mean, if you look at the scene where Kyle's comforting Sutton in episode four, she's saying you're coming off like a lunatic kind of, yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. Kyle actually being a friend. Like that's her giving her, like, that was like me with my code message to Kyle on the night that I'm like trying, like, I don't know if you remember, but on the real housewives, Beverly Hills on season two, there's a moment where I'm on the couch and I'm like, we'll go on a journey. And I'm drunk. And I sound like, just like I'm rambling about taking Kyle on a journey and a trip and we're friends and we're, this is what friends do. And yeah. I just sound like a total lunatic. Okay. Well, what that really was is me trying to say to Kyle that I know Kim has an issue, not that she's doing drugs in my bathroom, that she has an issue, that she's come fucked up to my house. That's when she called me Pam. And that I'm trying to say to her, don't worry, I'm not going to call it out on the show. And that maybe, you know, we could take her somewhere. I'm saying to her like rehab or something. And I'm trying to like plant the seed of a storyline, but we're all miked. 
And they, we don't know what they're going to use and what they're not going to use. So I'm trying to get a secret code to Kyle while we're shooting in that game night scene. And it's coming across like gooblygook gook because I can't say it. Okay. I'm telling you, so this is like Survivor. Like this is a show behind the show. The show behind the show is more fascinating than the show. I swear to God. So I know that Kyle in that scene in episode four, she's really trying to be a friend. She's become friends with Sutton in real life. And she's trying to give her a little coaching because I, again, I believe that Sutton wasn't sure she was going to be a housewife again on this season. She wasn't totally sure. I'm telling you, because I can feel it in the way she's always breaking down. And I think um, that was Kyle kind of trying to help her. Like, I'm trying to help you here. Okay. Yeah. And, and get her to really shift, you know? Well, Dana, why do you think that, I mean, I just sometimes think like watching what Sutton's going through is that like, why even want to go through this? What, what, I mean, what is the, just so you can be on TV so you can sell like some kind of like your own face roller at some point, like what, why do this to yourself psychologically? If you're not so solid with yourself, like why do what, in your opinion, why do all these ladies do this? Um, status for sure, because in, you know, to become, um, a a symbol for Beverly Hills is pretty freaking cool. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's the truth. Like Sutton was already a socialite. She was, she was on, you know, she was known to be a socialite. She was on the lists and I'm sure, you know, she, she probably um, was a little bit concerned about her next chapter in her life too. A lot of women go on the show when they're leaving their husband or when they're, you know, it's already done and they need something else. Right. So it sounds like she's a part of that group too, but I think she's also trying to get that status, you know, that, that like, look, now I'm going to be invited to all the okay magazine parties, not just hold, you know, parties. I just find that's a weird thing to even like, once you, you know, like to, to it, I, I, it just feels like it gets exhausting at a certain point. Like why keep this whole ruse, not ruse, but like, just, just, it just sometimes looks and sounds exhausting to me. It is exhausting. Look at Crystal. You think Crystal really well, she didn't looks, go to? She lo- Crystal looks exhausted. Yeah, but she way. didn't look. Yeah, you think she didn't go to dinner because of uh, you know uh, Sutton knocked on the door, came in with her coat and saw her naked. You think that's really the reason she didn't go to dinner? What Come is on. the real reason? Why do you? The think? reason she didn't go to dinner is she was completely fried uh, from the 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 night before when she had this discussion. It probably was a lot more than they showed. Okay. So, you know, we only see that like minute that, you know, evolution decided was interesting for you guys. Right. But but there's like another, like two hours of what just happened. Now they don't know what's being used. Okay. So here's what it's like. You go to bed and you're like, oh shit, I should have said that. Oh my, oh my God. I said that. Oh my God. What, what, yeah, that's what I'm saying. do you like have to oh my God, the recollect kids. the whole my conversation? Kids. No, no. You go back there. You're like, Oh my God, the kids. Oh my God. Rob came into it. Oh my God. He's going to leave me now. Holy shit. You know? So you're like, and then you're like, wait, is it okay that I said we're not, you know, cause she's talking about race, which is like the most volatile subject matter at the moment. So she's probably like, Oh my God, what will the fans think if I said we weren't supposed to be equal and you can't walk in my shoes? Like that's a big you know, um, that's a, a, a pop, you know, viewpoint that's kind of coming about now, but that wasn't what the the popular viewpoint was at one point. It was like, no, no one sees color. Everyone's equal. That's not, you know, so she departed from that and she kind of showed 
this new view that that people are are wanting, accepting, et cetera. But she didn't know how that was going to be received. And I guarantee Sutton was going through the same thing. She's like, oh, my God, I'm going to be destroyed publicly over what I just said about being a hick and all this stuff. Like she did not sleep. And neither did Crystal. <laughs> okay, I, love, I love that. I love that. You know, that's what I always try to encourage the audience. Well, I mean, I don't encourage, but well, even like in that last scene, uh, Dana, that we got on this past week's uh, last week's episode was we have those three ladies uh, getting the text from Erica Jane. And I was trying to point out to the audience is that these camera crews aren't with them 24 seven. These are scheduled shoot dates. So it's not like camera guys are just there when Kyle wakes up in the morning every day of her life. These are scheduled shoot dates. There's three separate. Uh, in fact, I was like, I wonder if this is just one camera guy going to each person's house that day just to get this one shot, you know? Yeah. And we don't, I, I mean, I didn't scrutinize the text message totally, but like, I don't know when that was sent. It could be that they said, you know, Erica, we need you to, to we have to address this somehow. You know, yeah. like we weren't shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. and we got to address this is like a major nuke to the story of the whole show now. So, you know, so it may be that she wrote that text message and they shot it and then they did all that, uh, you know, voter bullshit beforehand just to put your mindset in the right headspace that that was the day it happened. Right. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I don't know if that really happened. And I also don't have a I have a strong um I, I, you know, feeling that Erica uh, didn't do that whole uh, confessional scene where she was like, everything is smoke and mirrors. And, you know, <laughs> you know that one, yeah, She's like, yeah. I don't, no one knows the truth and no one knows everyone's truth. It's smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I had a feeling that happened after, you know, I don't oh, think, that, they, yeah. I, yeah, I don't think they shot that confessional video like shortly after that no, situation. No, no, yeah. no. I feel like that was, yeah, definitely. They justified it. You know, but they I were find- trying to justify it with her. I mean, as a a viewer of these shows, though, do you, to me, I think it adds, for me personally, I think it's been a great season, but this adds another little bit of juice where I will now hyper-analyze every Erica Jane scene to be like, why is she eating more than she usually does? Like, wow, she's really bringing up Tom a lot more than she usually does. Like, you know, like, I'm like, when? Like, because we also know, and you know this because of the court records, is that she was already served in, like, before shooting, knowing that there was this massive lawsuit against Tom that she was actually named in. So she knows this going into the season. So this thing of it being sprung on her is, that's a false narrative. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, you know, she knew that he was having severe financial problems, for sure. You know, yeah. so I think really... Um, if only one of her albums had done better, we could have just saved the whole thing, you know? <laughs> I know, crazy. Um, did you hear that noise? Sorry, just for the edit. Did you hear that noise come in? No. Okay, sorry. Okay, I'll keep going then. <laughs> is, there, is there a ghost? Oh my it God. was like it was like bing 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 bing, no, and no, I'm like, no. oh no. Okay. Um, uh, so anyway, uh, yes, what we were talking about. Yes. Yeah, so I think she knew. Um, I do think she knew that there was financial problems coming in. Obviously, the criminal investigation hadn't been started yet, so you know that that wasn't there um, at that point in time. But she definitely knew he was losing all his money. But she was obviously putting on a show. I think really she didn't want Tom to find out. I don't think she knew exactly when she was leaving. So I think she was planning on leaving, but didn't know when. So she was kind of playing it safe. And um, and then she couldn't anymore kind of thing. Yeah. Got it. Because, just- I mean, it, she she was 
like already doing things that show she was leaving before that scene, you know, like for months before. Yeah. I just feel like, uh, you know, I just feel like with a lot of these people, it's just like, they're just so used to living lies that it's just like another day in the life of like giving this lie oxygen and stuff. So, um, well, I mean, it's, it's a challenging situation (laughs) for sure. I mean, mean, we don't, I mean, (laughs) I mean, so that the the housewife and the hustler is on Hulu on Monday. Which have you gotten to see a final edit of this? No, of course it'll be like Housewives, where we get the edit like two days ahead of time. So <laughs> yeah, that, well, yeah. I was trying to tell the audience that too. Is that I, I literally <laughs> just told them is that like you know you I'm just guys, happy I'm in the trailer. I but like, you Detention. guys, <laughs> you guys usually, you guys like the cast members don't usually get the episodes ahead of time, except for like a couple days sometimes, you know, or like or a week at most, right? Yeah, it's usually a few days ahead of time and it's for the purpose of getting you prepared of like the bomb drop because, you know, then you have time to, first of all, promote the show and second of all, uh, you know, address anything if it's like a big bomb because it can be, can be a huge bomb um, come out of an episode. And so it gives you time to prepare mentally for what's going to come. Well, don't you ever think they should put like a GoPro on these ladies watching the first the show for the first time? Because like sometimes I wonder, like, I mean, even last night when Crystal and her talking head like flat out said Sutton is crazy. You know, I was like, oh, my God, I would have loved to have seen Sutton's reaction when she saw that talking head, you know, because I feel like some of these, you, you know, you just know these ladies have gotten to such a fragile place that watching this episode for the first time can break them entirely. Well, Crystal went on and talked actually about her experience on the like, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And what she said was that um, she really struggled to watch uh, the first few episodes that she was in. She was not really happy with the way that she was depicted in them and that she wished that, um, you know, she was told to talk about her house and her money and all this stuff and that she's not usually that type of person. And that, you know, um, she wouldn't go on and on about the Lion King, but they asked production kept saying, talk about, you know, what your husband does, <laughs> like, you know, and she was friends with, uh, Kathy. Teddy Melly, no, Teddy Mellon. Oh, oh, so Teddy yeah. referred her, right. We're like to Teddy boring camp. <laughs> Teddy. So Teddy, um, uh, referred her <laughs> to, uh, the show. And then of course, imagine how Teddy felt that she got fired and then her friend <laughs> yeah, got that is hired. Wild, huh? Yeah. And, and Kathy is a friend of crystals, but not the reason she went on the show. Oh, yeah. As like, I find it so her. shocking that I was like, there's no way that, Kath- I mean, I'm sure they know each other, but there's no way Kathy is calling Crystal every day and like they're just so chummy chummy, you know? Well, she's known her for 15 years and they um they know each other because Rob's partner is somehow related, distantly related to Kathy Hilton in some way, like through oh, wow. marriage. Yeah. So um I I like kind of tuned out during that part of the interview, but <laughs> I heard like a little gist of it. And that was that's why I'm being kind of ambiguous with that one. But um yeah, so so uh, Crystal does have a relationship with Kathy on that basis. Um, but her her good friend is Teddy Mellencamp. And I can tell you, you know, it's a big no-no to refer your friends um, to the show uh, between the women. Like the sorority will tell you of housewives and friends. Like you just never, ever refer anyone to casting. <laughs> like it's death. Why? Just because you're putting them through such a... 
a horrible process and like well you're gonna have to at one point you're gonna have to turn on them so you know they're not gonna if you want to stay on the show you're gonna have to turn on your friend that you brought on the show i like that it's the mafia that's like mafia (laughs) you're gonna have to wear a wire one day on your friend yeah yeah. And then you're going to have, um, you know, you have to, to usually the women in order to bring each other down, come after like Achilles heels of, uh, you know, things they've heard or rumors or gossip, you know, they'll come in to people like us and they'll listen in and then they'll go, okay, I'm going to attack on that front, you know? Yeah. And so it's like when you're friends with someone to use something that they really, um, you know, that they really care about is, is pretty hard to do unless you're kind of an asshole, but the people who are on the show, um, you know, that have lasted this many years, like they must be right. Because (laughs) deep down, because, you know, uh, most of them have to keep bringing it. They do, you know, some people get like, you know, Kyle gets it easy pretty much, you know, most seasons she gets it easy, but it, listen, if somebody doesn't bring the drama, Kyle has to step up and bring it. You know, I was just thinking about you just told that story earlier about, you know, trying to do a code with Kim and protect her. And then is that sometimes one of the reasons why Brandy is so like hated sometimes is because she just flat out called it out. You know, well, like which she was example just that kind of, that, well, she, was, she was like, they're doing like, you know, she's out there doing crystal meth in my, in a, in the bathroom like that, that I remember back in the, in the slut pig and all that stuff. Like yeah. You, that's why she's kind of like infamous in a way and and potentially hated by some of the ladies because she wouldn't protect anybody. Well, she, I mean, let's just say it this way. Brandy came on the show with a, a, a very straightforward prerogative, which was, I am here to make money. I'm here to get money because I have no money and I'm not getting support from my husband at that time. And I don't give a shit about anything but that. And so if I have to lie, I will, if I have to do, I do whatever I have to. And that made her very dangerous, right? Because you don't know what she's going to say. And then the fans pick up on it. It doesn't matter if there's any truth behind it. Now, in the case of Kim, all Brandy knew was that she was on something at the party. She didn't know she was doing anything in the bathroom. And she certainly, crystal meth wouldn't be what Kim was on. Even I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's so ridiculous. Like, I mean, you know, maybe if Kim started painting in the middle of my living room for six hours, okay. But that's not what <laughs> happened, okay? So I, <laughs> it's just saying, you know. So, um, you know, she wasn't talking, you know, chalk talk or anything either. Yeah. So it wasn't Coke, it wasn't crystal, you know, come on. But um, what Brandy did is she saw that she was on something and she then said, OK, how can I bring this into what's happening right now? And she had studied these shows and she knew what to do. And she studied to her credit. She studied social media. So she knew already what everybody kind of would want to see or not see. And yeah. that that allowed her to be very calculated, you know, in her responses to play up, you know, what the fans want. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now, like if I had not, I was totally real in that season when they allowed me to be in it because Bravo like tried to cut me out at every possible moment. But, um, but you know, when I was in, you can tell I'm, I'm, you know, I don't have an agenda. That's why I'm so out there. I'm so yeah, out yeah. there because like, I'm not trying, I'm just me. I'm like a dork. Yeah. I'm like, or, uh, like, you know, you, I had a lot, a few, you know, moments like Kathy Hilton, cause Kathy, I think is legitimately being her on the show, you know, right now she's got that, like, she's kind of just like, you know, whatever, 
(laughs) you know, and it, it, it actually sometimes better, like way better than people playing into the fans, you know? So, yeah. So, I mean, Brandy knew that the hot buttons and she knew what people wanted to hear and she does it. That's, you know, that's what it, that that's all it is. She, you know, um, she would do deep dives on people and find out what the gossipers were saying. And she would use that information. Oh, wow. Oh yeah. Um, well, I mean, so God, I, the, I'm telling you like that you guys, this, if she's talking like, this is the kind of stuff that I get so geeked out over, but I'm assuming you probably go into on your Patreon all the time because I personally love to know how the sausage is made. And I think a lot of us who listen, we're so sophisticated at this point. Like I've said that I think, we don't want to be treated like idiots. We do want to know how the sausage is made. Like, I think it, like, I know there are real elements to these things, but we'd be idiots not to know that this is a TV production with like money behind it. And, and they're trying to, to actually do a a through line with storylines every season. So I think it's ignorant for us to try to just purely watch this as like, it's a fantasy world and everything is real, you know, but I'm assuming this is a lot of this stuff is on your Patreon as well. That like little tidbits like this. Oh, tons of it, but way more. (laughs) (laughs) Well, gee. Um, Okay, well, so I know I don't want to keep you all day, and I already, God, this has just got flown by, and I just, (laughs) okay, so so the Tom and Erica stuff, real quick, just, uh, I don't know what is, you don't know what's going to make the cut. I'm sure they talked to you for a long time, so you'll be excited to see as much as we are, but um, just in your personal opinion, one of the big things that always stands out to me with this thing is that, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills now is going to be admissible in court. Like, you know, like potentially a jury will have to watch whole seasons of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills or clips of Erica Jane saying that she spends $40,000 a month to keep the Erica Jane, uh, you know, brand going. We now have Bravo accounts that are, you know, uh, itemizing everything that she wears, spends on the show. This is all admissible in court, right? Like, well, I mean, you know, d- certainly in the Jay Edelson complaints, you see things footnoted in there that are referring to, you know, articles written about Erica and her spending and and things that came out on the show. Um, there's, a, you know, varying opinions about that. I know Ronald Richards likes to, you know, make a joke on his feed on Twitter, like I'm, you know, you know, typing out everything that everyone says and all this stuff. But the the attitude really is that um, Jay Edelson doesn't think that the stuff on the show that's being shown is really going to be, you know, a, a valuable in any way, you know, in really terms not of court. In yeah. In no, not, not, yeah, no. Well, and how well, dare and, you, Dana? You just ruined Ronald a lot Richards of our yeah, no, I mean, Ronald Richards probably looks at it for like, de- like me, you know, trying to figure things out, right? But he's probably not going to do that either, you know, it's just even though but he my, says it sometimes. Well, I mean, my whole thing was that I wanted Did to you ask- hear what happened to him recently? What happened to him? Well, oh, by the way, Ronald Richards, you guys, he, I talked about him, I think earlier in the week, he's on Twitter all the time and he kind of just goes over these cases. He's going over Jen Shaw as well, but he seems to be walking the housewife lawyer beat right now, you know? Well, he's actually, Ronald Richards is, um, was actually Russell Armstrong's attorney in the divorce with Taylor oh, Armstrong. I did hear that. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's, that's on the Patreon and we talk about that. Um, but also, uh, Ronald Richards is um, trying to represent the trustee 
in the personal estate of Tom Girardi, which would also include Erica Girardi because they're married in California. And so Ronald Richards is, uh, the trustee's gone into the court and requested Ronald to be their uh, attorney because I obviously he's got a uh, great understanding, right? Of yeah. Erica and the case from studying it. And uh, he's also representing another victim that lost money to Tom. Now, recently, Erica went in to court with her attorneys and said um, that she did not want Ronald Richards to be put on as the trustee, you know, the attorney for the trustee because he was conflicted because, number one, he was representing um you know, a victim already. And number two, uh, that he had been posting over 300 times on Twitter about her, you know, her and her storyline in the show and the legal case, which she felt was, you know, inappropriate. And he was conflicted um, and wasn't neutral to the situation. And so that's, you know, kind of where it's at. And the question is, you know, whether or not the judge is going to agree or grant the trustee Ronald Richards, the reason the the uh, judge is considering this motion is that they believe that Erica Jane Girardi Chihoy, Chips Ahoy, transferred third party assets to other people. And they are um, they want to know what those assets are and what they are and where they are. And they believe that Ronald will be able to help with that. And that's really you know, and they're saying her argument is nonsense. So now we have to wait and see what the judge says. Well, I mean, that's, oh God, and I'm curious how this will all play out. I mean, but I, I do sometimes get, I, I wonder, and we're seeing this with Jen Shaw a lot too, of just, you know, these ladies who, you know, where they're trying to show these aspirational lifestyles. And so they're putting all of this money out there, whether that be the actual reality of the situation or not. But like, even like your, one of your most famous moments was the $25,000 sunglasses in retrospect. Did you regret doing that? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you regret? And do you think these other ladies need to keep a lid on sometimes some of their spending? Because potentially there is illegal stuff involved and you're just going to make yourself look like a, a, you know, a dork if court proceedings happen. I mean, I don't know. Like you can't live your life like that. You know, (laughs) like Ryan, Ryan, stop doing your show. (laughs) I shop at old Navy. Like, come on. Like I, I brag. No, no, but like you, you don't know what's coming down the line. Right. You know, people, everything can age badly. Right. Everything. So, um, I think, you know, I'm honored that I was that much of a, you know, brand dropping dork. Beautiful (laughs) moment. No, no, no. I didn't mean dork. I mean, you, I'm talking about in the sense of like, they actually have these actual things where they stole money from people, you know, like that's where it starts to look really bad. Like that. Well, of course. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically um, in my situation with the $25,000 glasses, just to say it, my ex bought me those glasses at Luxuriator sunglass store in Beverly Hills for 20 25 grand and he actually shot it, but he wouldn't go on camera because he was actually cheating on me, but I didn't know that. And neither did Brandy Glanville. So don't give her any fucking props because (laughs) she didn't know either. She just pulled that out of her ass because, you know, traveling a lot is usually linked to cheating, which he did. And everyone uh, that I was on the show knew that, but me, because I'm stupid. But anyway, so what um, ends up happening is they, you know, shoot that scene or whatever. And then we end up at the barbecue and, you know, the producers did pretty much what they did with Crystal, which is, you know, so those are, you know, amazing glasses, Dana. <laughs> Why don't you go tell everyone? So they, lead, they, they, they lead you into it. 
So then I was like, okay, I'm going to go tell everybody, you know, cause it's my, yeah. you know, I'm in. Okay. So and you then have, I went like, around you have a thing to do. You have something to do, you know, they will. And, and they, that's what they wanted, you know, and that I didn't mind doing, I don't mind doing, you know, what a producer wants if it isn't like going to hurt somebody or like, you know, it isn't going to like, you know, nuke someone's marriage. Like I couldn't do that. I couldn't do anything. Like, that's why I shouldn't be on that show. I shouldn't have been on that show. It's good. They kicked me off, you know, cause it was like, I wasn't, I couldn't have done that to somebody. I just couldn't have. So, you know, walking around and bragging about brands and, you know, $25,000 glasses and diamonds and, you know, they got leather and Python. <laughs> that's easy, you know, that's fine. And, you know, and at first the fans absolutely hated me, which is so funny because that's what I love about the fans on the Bravo franchises because they revisit things, right? Yeah. So originally they, they'll take a view on something and they just like, are, you know, they'll like for me, for example, they were like, oh, what a just a loser. How dare she go around talking about brands? She's so pretentious. Like, think of what Housewives is like today, okay, with the brands oh and the God. glam squad. Like, I, I I was joking on NBC, they interviewed me recently on a gossip show, and I was like, I walked so they could run, okay, <laughs> because I was like the brand dropping, you know. And the fans hated it at first. They were like, this is terrible. And how dare she throw that money around? And, um, you know, you could save the world with that money and all those things. And, and totally true, right? Um, but then what happened was I left. And I think some of the fans missed the antics. They were like, where are those fun little antics? I'm glad to see those coming back with Kathy Hilton's character on the current season, you know, of just these silly things. And I think the fans, when they revisited that again, you know, was like, that's iconic. That's what they did. They made it from like, this girl's a, a, just a jerk. <laughs> I want to destroy yeah. her to like, that's an iconic moment in Bravo land. Right. So yeah. I love that the fans do that. I think it's so amazing, you know, that they, yeah, can no, I mean, it, it really is one of those kind of, I mean, but, but, but now it's at such a fever pitch and, and you even notice that as well is that we make a meal out of every tiny morsel, you know? And I think as much as we get excited about things, like I said, like your $25,000 sunglass line to me is in the books. That's history. That is something. And it, it's <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's funny. It's like innocuous. It's really like, it's great. But now we make a meal out of everything where I just worry, or I wonder what it's going to be like when we actually do get to like, court stuff when the Jen Shaw stuff does get uh talked about on the show or shown on the show and how they will handle it and could you speculate at all how you think this potentially the show will handle the Erica Jane Tom thing from this moment out um well she's handling from from the trailer which we've seen she's handling it like a deposition Right. I mean, she yeah. really comes out yeah. that way. Yeah. She's like, uh, she, you know, like, okay, if you guys ever have done a deposition that the lawyer will say like, you never take anyone's viewpoint. You only take your own viewpoint, you know? So yeah. she's like, I cannot tell you what Tom was thinking at the time. Only Tom can tell you that that's a deposition, <laughs> like one-on-one, you oh know, God, isn't it true? And yeah. it's like, so she's totally doing that. And, and, um, you know, she dropped that, that, you know, Christmas, um, the justice, uh, you know, Bigelow oh, yeah, justice, or whatever. Trisha, Trisha Bigelow, yeah. Right. Justice, you know, the, the bomb drop of like all the text messages. Which, why do this... you think, wait, what, what, what do you, what do you think that was about? Cause I thought that was about like her trying to like almost distract. 
Yeah, I think it was her needing a motive because Jay Edelson called, you know, called out that he believed uh, he told me in an interview that he believed the trigger moment for him that Tom Girardi was a fraudster was when Erica Jane announced her divorce because Mm -hmm. he knew that Erica Jane was there for the money. So if the money if Erica was filing divorce, the money was gone. And so I think her position was to put a different narrative out, which was that I didn't leave Tom to hide assets. I didn't leave Tom um, because of any other reason than he's uh, he's been cheating on me with yeah, this woman. Yeah, yeah. And so she needed something and she needed something that would make her a victim. Right. Because that's really important in her narrative right now. She has to be the victim. And so that was her her, you know, her chess move. But the problem was nobody bought it. And it was just done in such a strange way that no one believed it because, you know, she put it out, then she deleted it. (laughs) You know, and, you know, I was speculating that she was actually shooting when she did that. Um, And. You know, I, yeah, I, I wonder I, I if think, that's going to show. I think she was shooting as well. I really, really do. Totally. I think that was part of it, you know? Yeah. And I think that's what she's going to tell the women happened. Um, that, you know, he wasn't faithful to her and that's why she left. And it has nothing to do with Ooh, the fact that she's ditching the Alzheimer's, the finances, none of that stuff. She's going to stay away from that land. Totally. I love that. Um, yeah. Uh, Wow. Okay, cool. Um, so in your opinion though, do you think, but I, but I want to know who's, I I'm excited about who's going to call it out. Like I, Oh my God. Ooh. If I say like, if I was on that show right now, I'd be like so happy because I'd be like, Oh God, please let it be me. Let it be me. Well, who do you, who do you speculate? <laughs> I mean, who really will call it out? Because I think a lot of people are scared of Erica Jane. I mean, I think, you know, I guess Reno might be a popular one, but Reno also can't do that because she's already kind of connected to the Denise thing and still getting shit from Garcelle. So I don't think she can be the one pushing that, like who will call it out. And I think we hear rumors that it's Sutton, which would crack me up. No, I think it is Sutton because that's in the trailer, right? She's yeah. she's like, yeah, and they have the big vicious scene of like, you know, you called me a liar. Don't call me a liar, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think, yeah, it's definitely, um, it's definitely Sutton. Um, hey, Ugh. Ryan, can you give me one second really yeah, quick? Yeah, I'm so sorry, but someone's like calling me oh, and yeah, it's yeah. very unusual. Sorry, sorry. So I, no, yeah. no, sorry. You're going to have to edit this one part. I yeah, really yeah, no apologize. Worries, no worries, no worries. Let me just quickly make sure yeah, yeah. this isn't like an emergency because I don't normally get called that much. <laughs> no worries. Okay. No, that's all right. Okay. All right. Got it. Okay. I'm sorry. I wouldn't have been able to focus, you know, no, all good. Like, no, yeah. no, no, no. Um, I appreciate that. <laughs> and we, yeah. And, and I'll, I'll start wrapping it up pretty soon. I, I mean, I know I've already kept you for a long time, but it just really good. Are we having really fun? Having a blast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's so easy to talk to you. So, um, okay. <laughs> so, so we, yeah. So, so we saw that in the thing with Sutton, but I just think that to me now it makes me laugh after seeing Sutton these past couple of episodes, because I'm like, man, Sutton is, is like, it's almost on a suicide mission every episode. Like there, I feel like by the end of this season, if it keeps going the way it's going, cause Erica Jane gets right back in Sutton's face. I feel like Sutton's going to be like, a, uh, you know, just crumbling. 
Well, the Sutton's wanting to be a housewife. I mean, it's so obvious, right? Come on. She's like, give me every opportunity. I'm taking it. Because what you learn after your first season, which I, you know, I kind of learned too, um, which you could see. Remember, I did that scene in season three where it's called the train wreck scene. They call it the train wreck because I'm like a train wreck in it. And I basically, (laughs) and I basically pretending like, I'm Lisa Vanderpump giving Ken a blowjob and all this crazy shit. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, you have to beep that out. But anyway. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I that's what I'm doing. And I I tell Taylor, like, you can't trust any of these bitches and all this stuff. And I'd light my cigarette for like an hour on a candle and all this shit. What you learn is, you know, in your first season, you learn that you're going to have to bring it every moment possible. And the two lessons that all housewives learn is when you're shooting, if you want to stay in the game, you have to stay present. And it's one of the hardest things that you can do. So you cannot check out of a scene, no matter how many hours you're there, you have to be shoving your ass in everybody's face, like asking the question. And I don't like that. And pass the food. And, you know, there's like a formula of the shit you got to do to stay relevant on the show, you know? And so I just think Sutton is in it to win it. She like wants this so badly, you know? And yeah. And I think Crystal's ending up having a much easier time than Sutton. Um, It's pretty obvious to me that the producers really wanted Crystal and the harder climb was Sutton, but they wanted to give Sutton an opportunity because she's a fan favorite. You know, I'm not sure yeah. they're sold yet on Sutton production. No, I could see that. Yeah, I could I definitely see it. Um, okay, so I, I, if we could, I, I know I, I don't have you. I, I'm trying to get, get you out of here, but I got to talk about uh, two more topics um, or just get your quick opinions on keeping up with the Kardashians. We were getting that we, we had the series finale of the whole show, even though they're moving to Hulu, the, 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 they're not publicizing that. And we got the preview for the two part reunion that Andy Cohen is hosting that I am thrilled about. Um, there is one thing that got brought up in last week's episode of keeping up with the Kardashians that I do want to ask you about. And then your overall feeling about uh, Kardashians is that there was a, a thing brought up that Chloe and Chris bought houses right next to each other that they're building. And then they, they all of a sudden innocuously say that this guy, um, the contractor, um, all of a sudden like bailed on the deal and locked them out of the property and all of this stuff where it was like, just set out of nowhere. I'm like, how did this happen to like somebody this wealthy as Chris Jenner? How could she let this happen? Do you know what I'm, I'm referring to at all? Yeah, I saw that. And that they had like, they somehow had run off with, you know, stopped construction on the site and they couldn't try, like if they went on their own property, it was trespassing. And the the gentleman who was developing the property had the deeds and he hadn't turned over the deeds properly to them yet. Yeah. yeah. Like a real estate developer. Yeah. It seems like there was some kind of entanglement in that there was like, they bought the lot and they bought the specs and somehow he tied his construction to it. And so in a way, you know, maybe they hadn't completed the purchase entirely because it was like when the final result happens, but then they never get there because they just run with the money that they already had collected. Yeah. That was crazy. Well, I request, I mean, uh, Dana, someday I do request on your Patreon 
for you to dig into this and find, cause I think they like ended up going to court and stuff like that, but I can't find anything, but I think that I would, I would love to, uh, to see you do a deep dive on this because I'm like, how does this happen to a Chris Jenner? You know? No, I, I will. I'll definitely, I'll reach out to all the, the team. <laughs> 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 Pretty much like, you know, Ryan being on, on my show, you like, you know, it's like, it becomes like a family and we all must help each other, you know? Yeah. So we'll get, I'll call Jay and I'll be like, Jay, no, I think, I think <laughs> pull that record, right? Because I feel like it's so weird and such a bizarre thing. Like to like have, I just feel like I'm like, if this kind of stuff happens to Chris Jenner, then I feel like either something more is behind this or this is just potentially one of the worst deals she's ever made uh, for somebody that has made a habit of making pretty good deals for her family, you know? Yeah, no, I thought that was the same too. I was like, that's so weird considering how everyone thinks she's so good, you know, as a business person. Um, how do you feel about it that it's ending? I feel good. <laughs> I, feel, I feel pretty good. I feel I'm, I'm happy. No, I, you know, it, it, um, I, it's, it's one of those things that I, I talk about it so much. I recap it every week on the show and I, I've now been entangled with, like we all have in society. I think they are the, the touchstone of pop culture in this day and age. I mean, everything spills off of them. And even if you hate them, Oh, I've got a gossip for you, please. I know. But, but even if you hate them, I feel like <laughs> you've got to respect, respect. If you like pop culture, then you have to pay attention to them. I feel like it's in, you know, you just have to, you'd be ignorant not to, if you really love pop culture, because it, it it's, you know, it spills off into every different Avenue, sports, music, politics, all of that stuff. And I'm curious to see what the next Hulu deal will be, but this, them doing this farewell tour and this sad kind of sack crap doesn't really, you know, I'm very jaded when it comes to that, where I'm like, you're just leaving E you're potentially going to do the same exact show over at Hulu. So I just, I'm like anticipating that, but I'm also, I got giddy with excitement with that two part reunion. I'm very, very excited about that. Yeah. Well, I think, um, I think it was interesting that they chose Andy Cohen over Ryan Seacrest who produced yeah. their show. Yeah. I thought that was really telling. <laughs> what's the, what, what's the, what's the gossip you got? Oh, okay. So, um, this is totally purported you guys. <laughs> no, perfect. I okay, love purported. Are you ready? <laughs> Let's do it. So there is a rumor that remember that, um, TikTok influencer that was on. Oh yeah. The, Addison Ray. Right. So Addison Ray supposedly hooked up with Scott Disick. No. Yep. Well, oh. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's definitely his age. It's his age range. It's his, I'm it's scared. definitely the age. Like, wait, but wait, wait, Dana, there's no way because Courtney is still hanging out with her. There is no way that happened. I'm telling you, how do you know how she met her? That she's done with Scott. Courtney's done with Scott. And if you haven't figured it out, I'm going to. But bet. why would she still be friends with Addison if, like, I mean, because she like doesn't care what Scott does. I'll bet you a hundred bucks right now that the reason that she never went back to Scott is Scott refuses to get sober. Yes, so, I, I do. The thing I, that I she's been. I won't bet that because I definitely agree with you. Yeah. Okay. So she's been alluding to this like, Scott knows the one thing that I would only, you know, minimum that I would consider going back to him. She says it like in every episode, right? And what is that? It's Scott, obviously his sobriety. So I believe that Scott refuses to get sober. Therefore, Courtney will never be with him. She's washed her hands of him. Like, I don't know if you've ever been in a relationship with someone who's like erratic and does drugs and you're like, oh my God, get me off this goddamn ride. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Emotionally, like I'm done. And she has to be 
you know, supportive of him because she has children with him. So she's bound to him. You know, and you do sense that, and I'm not a huge Kourtney Kardashian fan. I think she'd be happy that Addison's hooked up with him because I just don't think she would want to be friends with her though. I mean, I still feel like that would be in such poor taste that she'd be like, no, I'm good. I don't need you. I don't need an 18 year old in my life. You know, are you kidding me? Do you know how much clout Kourtney got from Addison? Addison gave Kourtney clout, not the other way around. No, that Uh -uh. is true. And by the way, the same thing with Travis Barker. Travis Barker is like, I mean, it's so funny. Travis Barker, to me, has gone down in my eyes because of Kourtney Kardashian. You know, it's like, it's funny how that works. I'm just saying. So, you know, they needed to make themselves relevant with the current influencers. The Kardashians are last chapter's influencers. In order for them to be the next chapter's influencers, they need clout from the current influencers, which are people like Addison. Now, if Addison, that's worth way more than Scott who she's done with. And in fact, Scott might've made the arrangement. He might've actually introduced them. We don't really know the true story about how they hooked up with Addison. It could be that Scott, you know, went on a date with her or something and then said, you, you know, you guys should meet. And then she, you know, she was the character that they used to create the friendship that they brought the storyline onto the show. They had to make a story. Otherwise there was no reason to have her on there. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. and originally she's being, she was brought on as Kim Kardashian's social influencer, like consultant. And, you know, that was kind of like a stupid storyline. So, I mean, the friendship with Courtney, I think took it to another level, which was needed. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 Um, God, I, 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 I uh, so, I mean, have you, okay. <laughs> la- two things in terms of relationships. Have we you can do it? another episode, Ryan. Ah, I promise. Damn it. Have you, I mean, cause, I, cause that Kanye arena thing I wanted to ask about, and I just wanted to know if you've heard anything about the Ben Affleck JLo, because everybody keeps saying that's fake. That's fake. That's fake. And I say that's real, but uh, they say that's fake. Have you heard anything? Okay. So it, I do believe it's real because the song that JLo wrote for Ben Affleck, which we all know, cause it's been circulating. She- Let's get loud. She performed it. But if you read the lyrics of that song, it's pretty obvious. Like, I don't know if anyone's ever stopped to read them. I did. I'm that guy um, (laughs) or that girl. Um, But um, so you read them and they're like the most gushing. I love you song of you could ever fathom. Like, it's just like, you're my true love of my whole life. I will never leave you. Like You will always be everything to me forever and ever. Okay. This this is Jenny Jenny from the block. Yeah. This is Jenny from the block, the song she wrote. So, so basically this song was written for Ben. She's like, I'll never let you go. You're the love of my life. Bottom line of the song. Okay. (laughs) Then she sings the song recently and they start dating. I do think she's always had a thing with Ben and it it was unfinished. Okay. And I think it was, you know, Ben self-destructs, right? Affleck. So I do believe that, you know, she knows that a little bit about him. And I think she keeps trying to, to make it work because that's her guy that she would really like to be with. But Ben I do believe is, um, you know, trouble. And I don't believe they're committed yet. Like I do, I think they're dating. I don't think they're fully committed. I do think JLo's taking it sort of slow. Like, even though it does, you know, this is as slow as JLo goes, by the way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is like I, I remember I predicted um, that JLo was done with A-Rod months before because she said to Andy Cohen in an interview with him, she said, Oh, I think we're going to have a small wedding. You know, when COVID's over, we'll do something small. And yeah. I'm like, it's over. Why do we, why is it over? Well, because JLo has never done anything small in her life. 
Like she doesn't do small. So that's bullshit. She's lying. It's over. Okay. Like that's like, she knows the cheating allegations are true and she's out. She's got one foot out the door. She's trying to figure out how to deal with the kids now, you know, in the yeah. sense of like her kids being close to him and his kids being close to her. Cause I'm sure she's a lovely person uh, in regards to children. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so I think that was handling that mess, you know, but I think she was already like, yeah, forget it. This guy's a cheater. So the thing with uh, the gossip that I heard, which um, again, this is a complete rumor, Perfect. <laughs> but, but it came out on, you know, you know, another gossiper who I have huge respect for NT, you know, from crazy. Yeah. Days oh nights. my God. Yeah. 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 And I've interviewed NT on my Patreon, by the way, him and I get into like some, the, some deep, dark stuff, but um, the thing is, is that NT released a blind, which I believe to be Ben Affleck and Rita Ora and um, J-Lo. And basically what it was is that there's rumors that Ben Affleck might have hooked up recently with Rita Ora at Soho House. Man, this Rita Ora gets around. Like, because she was just making out with Taika Watiti and the other actress. I know. Uh, and she's got like a producer boyfriend, supposedly. And yeah, I know. So, yeah. So now I don't think it's anything serious, but supposedly there was a rumor that at Soho House something went down between them. You know, maybe like as stupid as getting drunk and making out or something. I don't know. Or like, I mean, you know. I've never even been to the Soho house, let alone have somebody just like uh, hook up with me at the Soho. Like this is, I mean, this you need is, to go to the Soho house. Oh, it is I so would, fun I, in LA. I would love, love to. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm, I, I can't keep you any longer. I would love to. And by the way, <laughs> you got out and I just, I, I forgot. And I, you, I, I'm, you better, you're, you're going to be thankful that I didn't even, cause I, I want, I got to ask you about Randall someday. Cause like that to me is. Oh, that's on my Patreon. Ah, <gasps> and no, but listen, guess what? Fascinating to me. You're going to my- die when, okay. This, there's something so good on there. <laughs> I'm going to tell you off air. Okay. Okay. I'm going to tell you off air because it's so, it's so good. It's in one of my, my very, I have a section of my Patreon, which is like audio files where I tell like confessionals and there's been a development with Randall Emmett. <laughs> well, well, by the way, before I even knew you in life, <laughs> I remember you cracked me up during the, the Fofty, the Fofty saga. I remember very just like you, I think, didn't you have like a really good comeback or something like that or something? We, I thought you made me laugh at some, I'm trying to remember, but this is years ago before I even knew you. Um, but anyways, okay. um, Dana, so the, the podcast, which by the way, we all know Patreon, but you, you know, if you want to feel it out for yourself, see if you like it, you can find uh, free episodes and clips on uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify. And uh, let us know what the name of the podcast is again, Dana. Dishing drama with Dana Wilkie uncensored. And what I love about Dana is this, what we've just been talking about is she can go anywhere. I mean, yeah, she has the housewife stuff as like, that's why I think is a great perspective, but she's into the same stuff we are into. She's into like celebrity gossip, but she has facts to back it up. She, I mean, you know, housewives are just the tip of the iceberg. Like now it's like, I want to know more about Ben Affleck and JLo. I want to know more (laughs) about this. So I love this rebrand that you've been doing over the last couple of years. And I love that you don't want to be a housewife. And I love that you have that in your history. History. Is there anything else that we can support you with or that we need to know about? Of course, Housewife and the Hustler will be on Hulu uh, June 14th. You'll hear this probably after that, but go watch it if you haven't. 
it looks to be amazing, but is there anything else? Well, I also, I post gossip on my Instagram, Wilkie underscore Dana. Okay. And so I often will like stuff that isn't like is juicy, but it's not like so juicy. I want to hold it for the Patreon. I'll (laughs) post it on there. Like I found out recently there that Jen Shaw wasn't paying her manicurist and like, owes her manicurist <laughs> money, which is why her nails look like shit. So like I posted the, 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 the text messages I was sent about this gossip. Okay. So like, it wouldn't be juicy enough for the Patreon, but like great for the Instagram, you know? I love it. I, I, I love that you actually have to judge which uh, piece of gossip goes where that's always fine. <laughs> but you see, it's what I love about gossip. It's never ending. So um, <laughs> go check all of that out. Uh, she is definitely worth a follow. And I mean, she almost sold me on the Patreon. So uh, I mean, like, I'm now like, damn it, I might need to get the Patreon. Um, Listen, you get on there with entertainment tonight. They're on there too. E, all of those oh, guys. Dang. Well, Dana, thank you so much for spending all of this time with us today. And uh, I, I so look forward to uh, talking to you again. Okay. Ryan, don't you worry anytime, sweetheart. I'm such a <laughs> fan. I really am. I'm such a fan of yours. Well, I really appreciate that coming from you. It means a lot. So uh, we will talk to you next time and uh, we'll see you later. Betches.